Tomahawk, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to I Like to Movie Movie, the podcast about movie movies. My name is Garrett Smith. My name is Dan Scully, and a bone tomahawk to you, my friend. Thank you very much. Uh, with us today, we have a very special guest, the one Chip Chantry. Uh, he has been a guest on Movie Movie Live before for our very special uh, monster movie episode, which mm-hmm. uh, this will be relevant to, as you'll see in a minute. Uh, Chip... Uh, I believe it was the animals attack. Yes. yes. It was, right. it was when yes. animals, yes. Yeah, animals attacking. Out. Very specifically animals attack. Uh, Chip is a stand-up comedian, a uh, local to Philly, but uh, you can see him all over the place. Uh, he has a show coming up on May 4th at Helium Comedy Club called Good evening with Chip Chantry. That is correct. Yes, welcome, Chip. Nailed it. Good. Th- uh, thanks for being. Yeah, being here. With yeah, me. thanks. Thanks, thanks for, for being here at your home. Yeah, thanks. And, man. Uh, here in the studio. <laughs> thanks for welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we are talking Jaws today. We're finally Jaws. doing Jaws. Yes. Uh, there is only one reason we have not done Jaws in the uh, sixty-five episodes we've done of have movie. Have we really movie. done sixty-five? This wow. is number sixty-six, my friend. Titty fucking Christ. Yeah. Wow. Cheers to Wowie. you. Good. Cheers to you. Oh, and a bone tomahawk to everybody who's been around from the beginning. The reason we haven't done Jaws yet is because Chip Chantry, uh, when we started this podcast two years ago, said, uh, hey, uh, you've done one episode. Uh, whenever you want to do Jaws, talk yes. to me. Yes. So we've been holding that off till now. I know. And I'm excited we really just it. didn't want to do it. Yeah. And then this week we were like, we kind of want to do it. Yeah. Let's get let's Chip. Make, let's make it happen. Let's do it. Let's get, get Chip the, in the studio. Get the man mm-hmm. in the studio. Uh, but Chip, I want to ask you first, have you seen Bone Tomahawk? Do you even know what Dan and I are saying no, to each can, other? Can you, can you fill me in? So Bone Tomahawk was uh, one of my favorite movies that came out last year. It oh. was a uh, sort of an independent feature. It was actually written and directed by a guy who was a performer in a metal band. Yes. Okay. It shows. Oh, it yeah. shows, but it's not It's not like a metal movie, but it definitely shows. I mean, it, it's it's called Bone Tomahawk. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Russell. Yep. Um, oh well, so this is a this is a big feature. Oh, it's great, but it was it was made on a small budget actually. Okay, uh, it's what well, is I was going to follow up Kurt Russell yeah. with David Arquette, so you can bring that <laughs> down okay. a little bit. All right, yeah, down. bringing the expectations. Sid Haig well. in the middle there, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, Richard, right Jenkins. Richard, Richard Jenkins, Richard Jenkins, the Richard Jenkins, yeah. Yeah. the Richard Jenkins, uh, wow. in Fox. what I think is actually I would say the role of his career. Oh yeah, okay. and I'm not saying that with any sort of he should have won best supporting actor. So this is legitimately a great. Oh, it's fantastic. And what's it about? So well, do you have a taste for horror? Is that yeah, yeah, I like horror. Okay, great. Westerns? Uh, I, I could go. Not, I'm not a Western guy, but I don't dislike it. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it is, uh, it's a Western uh, that, in its final act, becomes a very twisted horror film. Okay, that's great. Uh, and it's a, little, one of the, a little from Dusk Till Dawn. Uh, a yes. little bit, yes. Okay. Very much so. Uh, and it is one of the best Westerns I've seen in a long time. Like, okay. for a long time, it's just a Western, and yeah. it's fucking one of the best ones I've seen. Okay. It's great. Amazing script. And then it becomes a really intense horror movie, well, which is great. The script is really the strength. The yeah. script is very clever. Dialogue's awesome. The one weakness of the movie is it's kind of blandly directed. Yeah. It's okay. very straightforward, just... We're shooting actors, but right. when you've got Kurt Russell chewing scenery with oh, with uh, with Matthew Fox yes. too from uh, from, <laughs> from Lost, yeah, doing yeah. a phenomenal role and uh, Night Owl. What's script. his name? Patrick uh, uh, Wilson. Patrick Wilson. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's great. You should see it. Yeah. Okay, I'm, so yeah, we, we I'm, greet I'm people with a and a bone tomahawk. Bone tomahawk. To you. A bone tomahawk to you. Because we watched in a random day, like yeah, let's watch yeah. bone tomahawk, and we're just floored. Yeah, and you know why I keep saying it on the podcast because that episode keeps getting more and more downloads. I think the more we reference it, we are getting people to see that great movie. I'm gonna watch it. Yeah. 
Uh, anyway, let's dive into Jaws. The yeah, dive in. Get to it. talk about. Oh, let's just dive in. Oh, oh, oh. See, it's hey, water. We're going to swim around. Yep. That was the first note on my legal pad. I wrote it on all 50 of the pages. All right, yeah, don't do. get yeah, too salty. Salt water, <laughs> salt of the sea. Hey. You know, stuff like that. Uh, so, Chip, this is... We're I don't flying know. high. <laughs> oh. Oh wait, that do- that's yeah. a different one. That doesn't work. That's no. a different one. That doesn't work. Nope. I apologize. Nope. Nope. That would that's be okay. uh, that would be Jaws five. Which one is the one where Fonzie you know, sh- jumps over? We a should shark. end this joke. Yes. And Finn. <laughs> hey, oh, Finn. oh, there we go. There we go. Love it. Sorry guys, I didn't mean to be a bitch. Beach, beach, big boom, boom. All right. That one Here was we go. rough. I'm, yeah. Well, you know. I'll take it. The, <laughs> it was the rough seas. All right. The, all right. Is this your the favorite? Tide has turned on this one. Chip Chantry. Is this my? Yes, Jaws is my favorite. Jaws is your favorite movie. I would say so. I. I, I, it was always in my top five. Then it got in my top three, and yeah, it's it's it's. I think it's just weathered the test of time. And mm. uh, uh, Kentucky Fried Movie was always up there for me. Oh, I interesting. Just, I just love Kentucky Fried Movie. Yeah. But I mean, that's such that's such a hard movie to say it's your favorite because it's. I mean, it has the 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 kung fu feature in the middle of it, uh-huh. but it's just a series of sketches. So yes. it's, it's it's hard to say. But I, I have a soft spot in my heart for it. But I would say that and, and Jaws. Did you grow up with Kentucky Fried Chicken on Comedy Central all the time? Kentucky Fried, Kentucky Chicken. Fried Chicken. Yeah, sorry, yes. Kentucky Fried Movie. No, uh, no, actually, I didn't because that's the cut version. I because uh, that's the one I know is just whatever was on Comedy Central every fucking oh, day when I was a kid. You're just thinking of uh, One Crazy Summer. So <laughs> yes, I think that's that. what it is. That's the yeah. movie. Uh, that was on Comedy Central as a kid. Yeah, yes, yeah. it was. There, uh, no, I, I got introduced to it, uh, VHS tape at the yeah. video store, uh, the night of my junior prom uh, afterwards. Really? Like, there was like 10 of us all slip over like or the one girl's house. It was actually my girlfriend at the time's house and she Ooh. like she had it and it was like, and we just stayed up all night watching Kentucky Fried Movie, and I was like, "This is this is the greatest film of all time." And then we were just watching it over and over and over. Again. You're my kind of person. You'd yeah. stay over at your girlfriend's house after your junior prom and just and watch, watch Kentucky, Kentucky Fried, Fried Movie, movie all night. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, skipped junior prom to see Blue Streak. You so are also my kind of person. Wow. I'm in there, yeah. Well, I didn't have a date, but uh, Blue Streak was out, so yeah. you know. I like the Blue Streak excuse. That's what he's going for. <laughs> yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you had asked me what my one of my favorite albums of all time was in like 2000, I'm going to say. Four is when that movie came mm. out. I would have told you the soundtrack to Blue Streak. Wow. Really? Yeah, I really like that soundtrack. Another by Limp Bizkit. <laughs> wow. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, so Jaws. I would agree with you actually. I think Jaws continues to move up my all-time favorites does, list. Yeah. Uh, the just I don't know. The older I get, the more I watch it. I don't know what it is. It it just stands the test of time. Well, yeah, I think absolutely. it stands the the test of like the truly great movies are the ones that even in their cut down format, if you catch it, no matter what point. You know, you catch it at, you finish it. Oh, you're going to... And you're that 100%. 100% happens. And it's not a short movie. No. I mean, this, two hours, this definitely exceeds two mm-hmm. hours. There you go. And when it's on TV, it exceeds four hours. Right. It's huge. <laughs> yeah. And every single time, no matter... Sometimes if it's towards the very beginning, my thought is like, fuck, I just planned my day. Yeah. Right. You know, like... And, uh, and forget, now I forget, have to do Forget this. the funeral. <laughs> I'm watching Jaws. And, well, and my... I don't know if it was my introduction to it. Like, I always loved it. Uh, but one of the big introductions, I was probably about seven years old. It was literally the night before we were going to the beach, to mm-hmm. the Jersey Shore for oh, the week. that's the best and worst time. Right. And <laughs> it, was, it, was the worst, it was the worst time. And I watched it. And, of course, like, I, I was just in love with it. Oh, my mom called. My mother just called. And it's, like, <laughs> oh, one of her favorite movies, too. We oh, really? Together. She loves, loves yeah. it. Uh, she, she probably saw it in theater. My mom had the, the, the experience of seeing it when it came out and not wanting to go to a beach for, like, five years. Yeah, I wonder. I don't know if my parents saw it in the theater or not. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, but I remember watching it. So I was, you know, like seven years old. So this is some. This is probably like 1985-ish, something like that. And we recorded it off of it was like the ABC Monday Night mm, oh, Movie yeah. or whatever it was. And for years, that was my jaw. So all the 
Like, so every time I watch Jaws now, like the actual movie, I know all the commercial breaks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, this is not Jack the Ripper. It wasn't a coral reef and it wasn't a boating act. And this was a shark and he throws the water in his face yeah. and then cut to commercial. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, so it yeah, almost it, feels designed that way because oh, yeah. I think for people I would say my age, plus or, plus or minus five years or so, mm-hmm. That was how you saw it first. Oh, yeah. Right. commercials. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first time I saw it uncut, I remember being, and I was an adult seeing it uncut and was just like, this is this is kind of gruesome and horrifying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's shit here that I forgot about. And here's the best part that I just remembered today where I, I saw it. Uh, it's rated PG. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's great well, for the kids. It just predates, have a parent come along. Oh, it predates God. PG-13. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, it, so, so it's, it's either PG or R. R. Yeah. And I think it might even predate R in that sense because I think it was just <sighs> PG meant... You know, that was back when we trusted parents to make decisions to guide for us. the kids. Right. So it was like, oh, parental guidance is suggested, right. you know. Yeah, because I mean, there... Now there's a mandate of we only we only allow people in of a certain age. Yeah, I mean, because you know. there's nudity in this movie, too. It's not just mm-hmm. the violence. There's the, that opening sequence, although it's yeah. shot where you can't quite can't really see it, make yeah, things she, out. Yeah, she doesn't well, it would fly in PG today. She, yeah. yeah, I don't think you could do that in a PG movie today, mm-hmm. you know, you even, even with it being disguised. into tornadoes yeah, to yeah. even yeah. get the violence. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and and the violence in this movie is like I always forget how violent it actually is. Oh, it's it's gruesome. Uh, I mean, just the Quint scene at the end where yeah. it's I mean it's, it's just, insane. Yeah, and that was the first the time screams, I ever the, saw someone bleeding from oh, their mouth in a movie, right. and that really haunted me. Because it's like, yeah, enough, just... my niece watched that movie. She's eleven now. Mm-hmm. First time she saw it. Uh, she was probably like eight or nine, which is too young, but it's perfect. Oh, yeah. Right. And that was always her favorite part. And I could tell that it wasn't because it was her favorite. It was because it fucked her up a little bit. Yeah. So she claimed it as her favorite to kind of to kind of own the fear. A little defense mechanism. And I, uh-huh. I feel like that yeah. was the same exact experience her. I had. Good for her. That, mm-hmm. uh, the thing that struck me watching it, this, I watched it last night uh, to sort of prepare for this, is the way the violence escalates through the movie. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's all those famous stories about the shark not working, so they mm-hmm. couldn't really Bruce. do a lot of what they wanted to do with Bruce. And because of that, you have this escalation of violence through the movie because they mm-hmm. couldn't quite... You know, what we see at the end with Quint is probably one of the last things they shot. That had to be once they had the thing working, right? Right, right. And uh, I imagine there's a version of this movie that originally had more scenes that were that graphic. Right. And instead, you get like when the Kittner kid gets eaten, it's almost scarier because you can't tell what's happening. You just see that lump kind of just yeah. come over, and and, th- and that's what it is. Because I'm just I'm such a huge you know you know Hitchcock fan, Twilight Zone, uh-huh. thing, mm-hmm. where it's this, the, the stuff that you don't see yes. is is so well, much imagine worse. Imagine how how bored you'd be of Quinn's death by yes. the time it happens. Oh yeah, uh-huh. you know you'd be like, like oh. done done seeing it. You yeah. know, and just it's having another dinner. Yeah, exactly. And it's just it's so much more effective because mm-hmm. I actually think the Kittner scene is the most horrifying scene in the movie. The because you can't quite tell what's happening when 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 he just kind of that that shark and it's they they say that it it always malfunctioned and everything but just however they got that shark to look so real and sort of like come up and around it wasn't just like it came up and like the jaws you know the universal like it comes and flips around you see its its tail and uh i mean it's just amazing and then they do that uh that zoom into uh, oh yeah the the vertigo effect yeah yeah and it's it's just oh god it's 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 amazing i think that's my that's my I would say that's my favorite kill scene. That I that I think is my favorite scene in the movie. I was saying this to Dan just before you came here. The thing that I realized watching it last night is like so for one thing, I was I just the whole time I was watching it this time, I was like 
Spielberg was was younger than I am right now. Yeah, when he made this amazing movie, one of the one of the most finely crafted movies I think ever made, mm-hmm. uh, which is just mind boggling to me. Well, and he was also flying by the seat of his pants. This was time. what his second, he yeah, was third just movie. It together, oh, I yeah. mean, there was problems. The it, this was one of the first movies that was being written while it was being shot. Oh. Yeah, they, they, they were they adapting sh- a book that was famously terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, the Jaws book is supposed to be god awful. Really. And so they were just kind of putting it together, and that's why it became the first summer blockbuster. Uh-huh. Was because they they said we don't know how to market this mm-hmm. short. Of, you know, how do we do it? Is it a horror movie? Is it an adventure movie? Yeah. Is it all of the above? None of the above? They're like, you know what? It's an event. Yeah. Bring everybody. Get scared. Bum 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 bum. You know, done. Yeah. And it was as a result of that. That's uh, wild. His inexperience ended up being his saving grace because oh, he didn't know how to work the system and just said, let's. Let's just cut it. We'll do Let's it. Cut it. And together. I mean, his career was over. It was that he was going so horribly, went so over budget, so over right. schedule that, and you know, like just all the scenes, all the scenes weren't working. I mean, it was just terrible. And I mean, they went so. I mean, this guy's career was just. He knew, like, he was walking out of there, like, it's, you know, I'm. It's done for me. I, yeah. I just because it was just such a. A, a horror to, to to film and every everything that went wrong, yeah, that could go wrong went wrong, and. I mean, if it didn't make money, I mean, he would have been. We would have never seen ET. I mean, that's just I, right? the way. Yeah, mm. I, I remember seeing an interview with him at. I don't know if it was Sundance or what it was, but it was the year that this was coming out. Okay, and I think that he had finished the movie at this point, but it hadn't come out yet. And Toby Hooper was there with um, uh, Texas Chainsaw, mm-hmm. and Scorsese was there with one of his early movies. Uh, and it's it's a fascinating YouTube clip you can find somewhere. But it's crazy seeing like all three of those filmmakers very young, and Spielberg looks exhausted and destroyed. Right, you can tell that movie. F- broke him absolutely having to make that movie was uh, its own horror experience for him i think oh absolutely. Uh, and you could hear it in his voice when he's talking about it he just seems like a broken dude mm-hmm. uh which is pretty wild but the thing that i was the the kittner scene what was so crazy to me i think it's the best scene in the movie the editing in that scene is insane mm-hmm. the way it starts on that it, it's it's just a long shot on brody's face as he is he is just nervously staring at the water because he's so afraid something's going to happen and there's a guy like talking to him oh yeah and he's just not listening not to that listening guy at all. at all. And then we cut to in the water yeah. and we see all the kids playing around. And then we cut back to Brody uh, and Alex comes up and we sort of in the background see him get his raft. Mm-hmm. And then he goes back down. And then it becomes a series of cuts back and forth between Brody watching the water and Kittner in the water with all the kids Before around. Before you get into him. the cuts, yeah. though, talk about because we were talking about the sound editing here. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of the coolest things about it is that there's a uh, there, there's no heightened sound of any one person you're supposed Mm-mm. to be listening to, so you get that feeling that he is he's an important guy. I mean, he's he's the, the chief of police, he's the, the protagonist. Police. Yeah. So like everybody who has any sort of concern or problem in a small town comes to him, yep. and they're all barking him at him, and he just can't be bothered because he he's got to do his job, and his job is keeping an eye on the water. Yep. And so you get this wash of just people coming at him. And if you really focus, you can listen to what they're saying, but you're not listening because mm-hmm. he's not listening because yep. he's focused. And the whole movie is that way. The sound design is incredible. It's it's like an Altman movie. Mm-hmm. Everybody is just constantly talking in every frame, and you can kind of hear everything everyone's saying. And the people that you're supposed to be listening to are not like super high in the sound mix like they would be in a movie today. You kind of have to like be really watching it and paying it. And I think it just gives it a sense of realism. Like, I, this I, is I really happening. And and also that scene is hilarious too. He has the uh, the old guy with the hat. Yes, he's, like, yes. Has some bad hat, Harry. And he, oh yeah, it's it's, right. it's just a joke. And you know, and you have like the obese lady like floating in the water, yep. and you mm-hmm. see the shark fin, but then he realizes the old man's hat. Yep. 
And so, I mean, th- that scene has everything. It and it's everything and it. it's building all that tension, right? We see the kid grab the raft, uh, and it's very Back to the Future like this whole movie where it's giving you details before you need them constantly. Mm-hmm. So we watch him grab the raft that we'll eventually we'll see come well, up on shore in blood. To, you get the feeling that this is just like any other day in yeah. Amity. This is the kind of stuff that you see every day. But for today, each of these normal things, the fat lady in the water, the yep. hat... They're all omens of potentially something worse. Right. Exactly that no one that everyone wants to ignore. Pippet the dog. Season. Yes, the dog. Which uh, is which is one of my other favorite. It's it's so heartbreaking because you don't see it. Nope. You only see a floating stick, so yep. you know what happens. Mm-hmm. And it's a dog, so you feel you feel worse about the dog than you do about the kid <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's a dog. I actually forgot that a dog dies in this movie until I was watching it yesterday because they just give it that one throwaway line about like somebody just says like what what happened to my dog? Yeah, Pippet, and, and you're like, oh Pippet. my god. Yeah. Do they don't... ever? Explain Explicitly state that the shark ate it, or is the no, dog just no. gone? Okay, it's just gone. And you see the stick too. in the water because mm-hmm. the dog could just get sucked under oh, and sure. go out. Because he's yeah. a dog, yep. you know. But yeah, you just assume that that's. And sad. then the way the editing works in that scene that I thought was just so great uh, is you get these shots back and forth between. Uh, uh, Brody looking at the water and the mm-hmm. Kittner kid in the water back and forth back and forth and then as the shots get faster and the editing gets tighter he borrows a trick from his his buddy Lucas uh, and he uses wipes but the, what he does is he has people pass in front of the camera That's and so right. as the tension is wrapping uh, as the tension is ramping and his up his friendship with George Lucas was set in stone at that point <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. Uh, as it's ramping up, you just get these people passing in front of camera. And every time somebody passes in front of camera, we switch angles. We're back to looking at Brody. Somebody right. passes in front of camera. We're back to looking at Kittner. Somebody passes in front of camera. We're back to Brody. Then they start including the POV shots from Bruce. Suddenly right. we get the POV shots from the shark moving towards the kids. And the music is ramping up. Mm-hmm. It is one of it's a masterclass in tension. Absolutely. It's unreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I just like as I was watching it last night, I was like, had anyone done this before? Mm-hmm. Like it, it was such a crazy combination of sound and images and editing and it's the kind of thing where you imagine that would have had to have been storyboarded out so particularly and carefully and I imagine it wasn't based on what I know about the making of this movie it's the last movie the editor ever edited according to IMDb wow really Um, Verna Fields is uh had had Verna done a lot of work before uh, Memory of Us, Daisy Miller, Sugarland Express, Sugarland yep. Express, um, American Graffiti, Paper uh-huh. Moon. Yep. Uh, wow, that's a What's Up Doc, Medium Cool. So she really worked with those those San Francisco guys that that that, that came out of there. Oh yeah. Um, uh, you know, I heard an interesting t- statistic the other day that uh, most directors are male and most editors are female. Is that right? That that is that's a general statistic in Hollywood. That wow. was Tarantino's uh, Sally Sally Menke, Sally Menke before yep. she passed away. That was like yep. that was key, and it's funny she passed away right before Django, and suddenly and his movies were three and a half a hours bit. long. Well, you can just see it; it kind of loosens up. I yeah. don't think it. I don't think it applies to Hateful Eight. I think that right. movie is about as tight as, as a movie can get. But yes. that's me. Uh, but yeah, you can see that. Cha- <laughs> it's funny, you know who you know who edited uh, uh, Django Unchained. The guy who edited uh, Fast Five, oh, yeah, right. and so that that gives you a little feel for that it. makes yeah. sense. Bigger, bombastic. It's a fascinating gender dynamic. I think that uh, men get given this job of of being in charge of a thing, and then women get the job of sort of reining that in and honing yeah. it into something. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting. Well, uh, it's like I'll I'll fucking. I'll bring the I'll bring the bacon home, but someone else has to cook it. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the 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 stereotypical dynamic, Absolutely. and it, or, it fits into that. Or uh, the man giving life and the woman tending to life, mm-hmm. right? exactly. nurturing exactly. the movie along. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, fascinating. Uh, yeah, I just that sequence though was to me like the most impressive thing in the movie. It's something about the way everything in that scene is working together to create mm-hmm. that tension, and then you just get that incredible moment with the shark coming out of the water at the end of it. It just flops. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's... and you, and you just you kind of can't see what's 
happening. No. And then there's like a fountain of blood. Mm-hmm. It's it's so disturbing. Mm-hmm. It's realistic. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, that, that's what I was thinking like about that it. Gets, it feels real. You know, when he's jumping out of the water at the end and all that, that's when it's heightened and we yes. realize this is this isn't your average shark. It's become a monster it's movie. It's become at that a point. monster movie, exactly. Which it's actually kind of funny too when we think about it. Classically, I mean, sharks don't really attack people. We know this. It's, right, right. But it's become part of our cultural hunger, if you will. We love sharks attacking people. Yep. Shark Week does not exist without right. Jaws. Right. No. Deep Blue Sea does yep. not exist without Jaws. Sharknado does not exist without Jaws. Culturally, Jaws created this template of we love sharks eating people. Mm-hmm. So much so that that there's activism out there just to say, hey, sharks don't do this. Yeah. They've done it, but no more than, say, hippos. Yeah. You know, but, you know, hippos this, didn't happen. The summer of 2001 was a big shark summer as oh, I kinda remember all, this. These, all these shark attacks were being reported. And really, there was no more shark attacks than normal. But literally, nothing was going on in the news at that time in the world. <laughs> so everybody was bored. So they're just like, well, shark attacks. Yeah. They, 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 the they know fall of 2001. Right. And, that's exa- and that's exactly yeah. what happened. Yeah. It was just like the world was so boring in the summer of 2001. Jesus. That they're like, we need shark attacks. And then literally September 11th yeah. came and just totally changed Wow. That. Yeah. That's also like the beginning of the internet too, right? So you're starting to get this new hive mind that's like, hey, there's a thing going on. We all need to talk about it and, mm-hmm. and uh, care about it. You know? Right. I was actually down in Amelia Island, Florida. I was, I was working for this guy for a while. My brother was down there with me working and one of our friends and we went swimming. It was like around dinner time. So it was like at the, the, everybody's off the beach. There's no lifeguards or anything. We, we went swimming and about 50 yards down the beach, there was another group of people swimming. And all of a sudden we see this... Uh, uh, this ambulance pull up and like they're kind of dragging this guy out into the ambulance. We're like, oh, maybe he was like drowning or something like that. Uh, we wake up the next morning, look at the paper, and it was a shark attack. Whoa! Yeah, so we were there. We were like fifty yards away from the shark attack. Holy when it happened. Shit. Yeah, I do not. I, I hate the beach. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. I hate the beach. And it's not even shark attacks. It's sand. I don't like sand. <laughs> it pisses me off. But I've been I've been attacked by jellyfish Oof. more than I've ever been attacked uh. by sharks. And they suck. Uh, yeah. Make that movie and I will. I, I, I have somehow avoided that my whole life. I've been to the beach oh. a lot and never gotten stung by a jellyfish. Mm-hmm. I hate the um, beach. But sand, uh, sun, fish, salt water, and people. That is the top five things I hate the most <laughs> all concentrated right in one there. thing. Right there. I can't believe you like this movie. That's yeah. all this movie is. Well, that's because it's <laughs> saying you get to close the beach. beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with it. I'm on board. The that's mayor funny. with the awesome jacket with all the anchors oh, yeah. on I it. I want that jacket. I want that so bad. I'm pretty sure. Oh, my God. Uh, so there's a there's a podcast called um, Analyze. Oh, what it was? Oh yeah, Analyze Fish. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, yeah, it's a little sad to talk about now. It was uh, Harris Whittles and oh, okay. uh, Scott Ackerman. Yeah. And Harris Whittles is a big fish fan. Scott Ackerman was not. And the point of the podcast was Harris Whittles was going to convince Scott Ackerman that fish was a good band. Good. But they did a one-off episode, also called Analyze Fish, that was Paul F. Tompkins and Howard Kramer talking about Jaws. They were analyzing that fish. Nice. Uh, and great. Paul F. Tompkins had a tailor make him one of those jackets to his size and fitting. Wow. That's beautiful. <laughs> it exists somewhere. There's a thrift store somewhere yeah. that has like 10 of those. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And you can get them all for $5. Yeah. You know? Oh, God. That what an incredible character too. That that's the other thing mm. is that the, this movie is is just populated with great characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the well, I way think that's the one thing left over from it being a book. Anytime we've ever done a yes. movie that was adapted from a book, be it a Die Hard, be it there's mm-hmm. always these very colorful characters that mm-hmm. fill out the roster. And whereas they might not have full arcs, I mean, over the series of Jaws, uh, Lady Brody uh, yes. has uh, a pretty big, weird, strange arc. The thing is, they but, seem to have you know, they, lives outside of the exactly. movie. They seem like full people. They, they don't. Do. They don't 
just exist as a functional item right. in the movie. They actually, you know, it feels out the world. Amity feels like a real place. It does, yeah. Mm. It feels like you're watching a real community like react to something like mm. this. And you got to figure that's all in one act that that's happening. Oh my god! It, all the characters are in one act, and yep. the second act is just because yeah. really it's it, it's not a three act movie. It's a two act two movie. Act it's movie. the first mm. act movie is the first act is all of the characters in the scene, yep. and then the second act is just three. Uh, three characters, four including. I'm going to disagree. I think there is a middle act, and I think the middle act kicks off with the introduction of Quint, because then there's the assembling of the team where we establish that him and Hooper don't get along. They go out to the boat with the dead body in yeah. it, which, even though I know it's coming, ben jump Gardner scares me scares every, every time. single time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, that middle act there, where they do that, where they cut open the one shark, where everything seems to be under control, and yeah. then it turns out it's not. I I would. I can see that. I, think I, it, I do say I do see what you're saying though that it does yeah. kind of split in land and sea. Well, know, it really sure. does because that middle area kind of spends a little time at sea and a little in land. And yeah. That that to me would be the middle act. And by the way, speaking of introducing Quint, my favorite scene in the movie is actually an outtake that was oh yes. oddly enough, which was actually in the version of the ABC Monday Night it's on movie. TV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's on TV. It's in that movie. It's where you see him, and I think that's where he was going to be introduced, where he goes to buy the piano wire yep. in the mm-hmm. pi- in the music shop. And he talks to that little kid, right? Yeah, and, and he, the kid's playing Ode to Joy on the oboe, or the, or the clarinet, I guess the clarinet. Uh-huh. And he, you ju- it's, it's, it's hilarious. And, I mean, just go on YouTube and look. If, if people oh, don't, people don't know what it it's is, great. just go on YouTube and see it. it. Because it's hilarious, but it also perfectly introduces who Quinn is. He's a fisherman. He uses uh you know very unorthodox methods. He he's 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 very a gentleman to the lady, but then he's like pushy and kind of an asshole to the kid. Yeah. And he's but he's also kind of funny. And it I mean it's just the perfect introduction of this guy. Spielberg ben. brought that back later in an early scene in Jurassic Park. Did he really? When uh, it's sort of, it's they, he uses the same establishing technique for Alan Grant's character. Oh right! When the little boys just when they look at the the picture of the Velociraptor skeleton, mm-hmm. and the little kid's like, "Nah, it's not that scary." And then for no reason except that he wants to show his knowledge and be a dick, he pulls out the raptor claw and talks to the little kid about how the raptor comes up and it takes it right across your soft belly and cuts it open and your guts come out. And he scares the shit out of the kid who immediately starts to cry. And <laughs> yeah. We get a little bit of. And it's funny, too, because they altered that from the book. There, I circled it when I read the book. Alan Grant loved loved children was the line in the book. Yeah. <laughs> His whole arc in the movie is that he, he hates, hates kids, kids and then loves them by the end. Yeah. Oh, that's but, great. Uh, yeah, they used that same thing. Um, so I feel like that was probably left over. Like, we didn't get it in here. Mm-hmm. I bet we can squeeze in some of yeah. that, that juicy fun, you know? Well, so, a little bit spe- of scene chewing. Speaking of moving from the, the book, which I, I, I never read the book, but in the book, apparently, Brody somehow has an affair with the chief's wife. That's oh, no, Hooper. I mean Hooper. Hooper I mean yeah. Hooper has an affair with with the chief's wife, and I think they cut that out because they're like, yeah, nobody wants to fuck Richard Dreyfus. I, like, that's <laughs> well, also, I, I like. I, one, my favorite I think you scene want to like the movie, her. Well, the the family element, yeah. I, I love. I love the part where she says, "Hey, you want to get drunk and fool around yeah. later?" Oh, so like, amazing. Great. And then when uh, after the the uh, the little boy's mom confronts him about closing yeah. the beaches, and he's eating dinner with the little boy, and they start doing that pantomime game. Mm-hmm. That I mean, that is Spielberg. To a T, yeah. the family stuff, and you know, give us a kiss. Why? Because uh, I need it. Well, yeah. that is that has got to be my favorite. And they scene. bring that back in Jaws: The Revenge. Oh God! Where it's, I think it's Michael's son, and they're doing that, and it, I think they literally flash back to. Oh wow! I think they flash back to the original movie, and it's just, uh, it's, it's so terrible. It's just it's, Michael Caine has a great quote about that movie. Because um, people asked him about it and said, you know, why'd you do that movie? And he said, well, I've never seen the movie, and by all <laughs> accounts, it's terrible. But I did see the house it built. Yeah. 
and I love it. It's, it's wonderful. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> the, I do. I I think the the problem with having Hooper sleep with Brody's wife becomes both Hooper and Brody's wife then become like less likable characters. Well, villains, right? Then, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, Brody and, dies at the end of the book too. Oh, fascinating. Brody dies. So oh, does he really? Yeah. Okay. And, so and that actually uh, makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think like. And I want to get into this more. We'll, we'll talk about this more a little bit later. But, you know, part of what this movie is about to me is about three men trying to define, like, their manliness. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I yes. was talking to one of my coworkers about this today. Because you have Quint, who is the just muscle. Yeah. Just straight up, I've done it mm-hmm. before. Don't question me. Yep. I know what I'm doing. I'm in charge. Then you have Hooper, who's softy, but he's smart. Oh, yeah. He's got, he's got the boat that would have saved everything. Yep. But too bad Quint's just like, no, we're using the Orca. Yep. We're using this shithole boat because I've done it before. And then right in the middle, we've got this man of action who's also you know smart and willing to listen. Mm-hmm. He's your family man in the middle. And when you look at how it all turns out, Quint's dead. Hooper hid behind a rock. Brody got it done. Yep. Yeah. You know, and it's this weird lens that they put around the whole idea of like a toxic masculinity yep. a uh you know an almost anti-masculinity mm-hmm. and then this perfect mix of like the strengths of it tempered to you know wielding one's power responsibly because yeah. he's he's and no it, that is there he's a fish out of water because yep. he's he's on he the island the he hates the water mm-hmm. uh but you know so he he's he's definitely out of his element especially on the boat i mean he's oh, yeah. totally out of his element and he's kind of scared and he's timid but he was also a new york police off yeah. police officer it didn't take shit from nobody yeah. so it's just that the situation that he's in you see him as kind of soft and kind of, but it, but like you said he's it's that mix where he knows how to get shit done yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and I, I think if you brought this idea of like hooper sleeping with his wife into it you you suddenly change the game of the last act of this movie because the oh, yeah. game of the last act of the movie is these three guys all trying to define their manliness sort of with and against each other. Mm-hmm. And I think if you if suddenly there's like this larger problem that you can a specific problem that you can stick between Brody and Hooper, suddenly this is no longer men trying to define their own manliness amongst each other. It's like men specifically challenging each other's manliness. Well, you know what I mean? It's just like a plot thing. Yeah. It's and to me it actually would weaken Brody because one of the things that I like about him is that it's it's not said, but it's there. Like he's a good family man. Yeah. He's a good husband. He's a good father. And he, he works hard. He does what he does. If his wife was cheating on him, that would, to me, you know, she's not enough of a character that it would speak to a weakness on her part for the movie. Right. It would more speak to, like, what's lacking in their marriage. Was it? Yeah. And I like it better that he is solid as a rock. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. That makes more sense to me. Yep. And that, that, that was part of the problem with many problems with Charles, too, where he was kind of coming unhinged. Mm-hmm. And there was that tension in their relationship where she was kind of being pulled apart because she got that job and there was that sleazy guy that was definitely trying to move in on her mm-hmm. and so th- th- it just made the whole movie uncomfortable for me I mm-hmm. like that. I've never seen a Jaws sequel not one of them are you serious yeah, oh, not one you of them. should really see them all y- you really need to experiment yeah. because everyone is so different the, the Jaws 2 is obviously by far the most similar because it has the most that it, it still has Brody shares in the it most personally. cast in it yeah right? Brody's yeah. in it. Uh, it, it it's very similar it's a little long and it. It it goes weird places, but is two the one at the resort? No, the aqua- no, no, three no, is the three, one at the aquarium. Just okay, Jaws three yeah. D, which mm. I think that's my favorite of the sequels. Jaws three D, it's wild. It's wild because it's it's a fucking theme park. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, it was in three D, which I thought that was amazing. I remember my mm. uncle went yeah. and he brought the three D glasses, and I would just walk around with three D glasses on because I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, like seven and I don't know future. any better. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And 
uh, it's just it's just such a roller coaster ride, and and then Jaws four is Jaws the Revenge is just is shit. It's bad. Shit. <laughs> it, is it actually worst. started production as like a like a uh, Zucker Abrams style parody. Oh wow! Did it really? And then, yeah, it that. started that way, and then it just kept getting reworked. And they were like, "We could actually make this a real sequel," which is why the whole conceit of this shark that's somehow related to the original shark is now after the Brody family specifically right. yes. for revenge in yeah. the Bahamas. In that's the Bahamas, so crazy. It found so, them in the Bahamas. It's crazy to even, that's but so that's great. just left. And there's no explanation beyond like it was just left over from a baddie script that never. Yeah. Got to made. be fair, there is like a weird leap in logic that you have to take with. Jaws that Spielberg has just his whole career been brilliant about like uh, just getting audiences to do it which is that this shark does seem vengeful mm. by the time you get to the end of the movie this shark is as much as they are men set again set about finding and killing this shark by the end of the movie that shark becomes a shark that is set against finding sinking and eating these men right well i think it comes down to because they talk about how the the shark is trapped in the bay area it's a territorial it's, and it's, it, it's kind of lost it yep. doesn't know where it is so it's just kind of attacking whatever it yep. can you know it's got a license plate in yeah. it. it's got all this mm-hmm. really, you know well it doesn't have a license plate in it. the yep. other one does but yeah. it's that kind of a thing yes. where it's just eating shit and they do a good job whatever. of explaining it but. and so i think when they go out into the middle of the ocean and they're firing barrels into it and yeah. all that it's just a thing that's yeah. there and so it's got a great now that's not how sharks behave Right. Um, but as far as explanations go, that's enough. For oh, me. yeah. It that, totally that works for me. Yeah, that's why he's such lead. a great filmmaker. Is he just mm-hmm. makes you believe that stuff. Just with a few simple lines of dialogue, a couple mm-hmm. little things like that. Like, you just, you're in it. You believe yep, it. Absolutely. Like, I was watching it last night, and th- I, oh, this part of the movie always strikes me as odd, as weird, as almost wrong. When uh, at the end of them drinking and singing, right. when when the shark finally attacks the boat and and the hull starts coming apart and water starts coming into it, leading into the third act where everyone forgets that they're just wasted. The oh entire yeah, yeah, time. yeah. That, yeah. I can't wait to talk about that. Wasted. By the way, because <laughs> yeah. that's I, yeah. that was a reading I had on the film this time too. Is that you, if you wanted Quint to, Quint literally you could, falls into the mouth of yeah. you. He's just sliding in like. Yeah. <laughs> you could look at this movie as an allegory for the way alcoholism actually changes your perception of things. Yeah, because they. Their goals completely change by the end of the movie. Mm. When they set out to see, for Brody, it's to to save the town and prove something to the town. For um, for uh, uh, Hooper, it's it's kind of to prove something to himself, right? Mm. He's like this rich kid that has been obsessed with sharks his whole life and has had the money to go him looking and for him. Clash right. because right. he wants the experience yep. and you know just the respect that comes with the experience. Yes. And Quint just like he wants he bragging the rights. He wants the money too. Yeah, yeah. Yes. He's also. Yeah. He's almost being challenged by the idea that with a little bit of technology, right. this guy knows as much as him. Exactly. He survived the Indianapolis. You yes, know, yes, yes. He's like proving his old school mentality or mm. whatever. So they all have something to prove when they go out. But by the time you get to the end of the movie and they're all drunk on the boat, they're in the middle of the goddamn ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far away from the island that at that point in the movie, if you want to be really rational, you think maybe just turn the boat around and go back in. Mm-hmm. You didn't kill the shark, but you let it so far fucking out to sea, mm. you might have just saved the whole island that way. Right. And then what do they do by the end of the movie? They're so obsessed with killing the shark, they draw it back closer into the island. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, like, their goals completely change. So, if you want, a, 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 just a funny way to read this would be to say that it's just about the way alcoholism just completely changes your your mindset and your ideals and goals in in life. Absolutely, because uh, it just it literally becomes 
it, it's no longer about those things that they were trying to prove. They're only trying to prove their own personal journeys as mm-hmm. men by killing the shark. And also, too, they hadn't seen it up until that point. Right. When they see it, suddenly it becomes like, we, we have to take this down for yeah. whatever reason, be right. it bragging rights or be it, this is actually a pretty scary I, monster, I think, you know, we've got to do it. I really think it becomes like a, almost like a supernatural symbol for their 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 masculinity. Mm. You know what I mean? They, they see their, their, their taking the shark down as some sort of evidence of something they were lacking back on land. Well, and so that's how they form this... We're by bu- nature. Yeah. I mean, that is that is the way we're born, is to to hunt. Yeah. And so there, there's a little bit of that there. And I think they sort of, they, they almost find themselves as men, this thing that they might have been lacking back on land, where Hooper didn't get the respect he thought he deserved from the scientific community. Brody didn't get the respect he deserved from the, the town that he was mm. trying so desperately to save. Mm. Uh, and neither did Quint. He got no respect from any of the people in the town, even though he but was the best fisherman amongst them, them. Literally comparing wounds. Yeah. yeah. You know, like literally trying oh, yeah. to, oh, you think that's bad? Uh, oh, yeah. How about this one? It's a total dick-wagging contest. Mm-hmm. And then Brody pulls out his... Uh, he, he looks at his uh, appendix scar. I love that it's joke. It's one of the funniest things. Which is another thing, too. How fucking funny this movie it, it's is. It's so oh, funny. There's so many laugh lines in there that are just that are just dry yep. and, and hilarious. And they all come from... Like just moments in the movie, as opposed to like the script trying to get a good funny line in. Right, nobody's they're, tripping over. Oh, anything. they're it's... all natural to the actual events that are occurring. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, you feel like the thing that Brody says that's so funny is something Brody would fucking say in that moment. You know what I mean? Just due to exasperation or whatever. Well, and, you know? and there's callbacks in it too. Like, yeah. I mean, obviously the bigger boat thing is yes. is, is a callback, and that's you know, you know that's such a cliche line, but it's so important to oh, the movie yeah. because. He, he's using his rational thinking. He's like, I don't want to be out here. We need a bigger boat. Yeah. And he keeps bringing it back. So it kind of shows who he's yeah. about. And then, like, but it's a fear line, too. When oh, yeah. it comes right. in, like, you know, we need a big, you know, like, oh, absolutely. Oh, shit, like, you know, it's, like, it's it's showing who he is. And then there's the line where the horrible lady who owns the motel is, <laughs> where she's like, that's not funny. That's not funny at all. Yeah, yeah. And two scenes later, he, somebody says something to Brody's like, that's not funny. That's not funny at all. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. There's I a think ton my of favorite stuff. funny line is when Quint says, the old taxidermy man's going to have a heart attack when I see what I brung him. Yeah. I yeah. love that. Oh, God. So good. He, and once again, that speaks to what you were saying. Like, he wants that trophy. Oh, yeah. And then he wants the I trophy. I just realized recently, the one guy where he's, he's they're going out to see when it's like the big day when they're all hunting for the shark. Oh, Everybody's yeah. out on the shark. Mm. And he's like, uh, he's like, oh, the, you know, he's talking about, he's making fun of the other fishermen because they don't know the waters. And he's like, they're going to run into the, the rocks and the shallow water and the shoals and everything. He's like, they're going to wish their mothers never met their fathers when they, they yeah, hit those yeah. boats. <laughs> Here's what I didn't realize. That's Ben Gardner. Did oh, you know that's Ben Gardner? Who that dies. makes so much sense. Wait, what is this? Ben, ben Gardner, Gardner, the guy the, who dies. The guy who's yeah, yeah, yeah. in the boat. The guy who said yeah, the big yeah. guy, and he's also the guy who, which is another uh, funny point. When you first see Hooper, when he when he pulls him up, it's Ben Gardner who pulls him up, and oh. he's like, and he's like, hello, and he's like, hello, back, like <laughs> yeah. you're like you little yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. And that's the guy that he finds dead a couple scenes yeah. later. That's wow. Ben. That's I would. That's Ben in Gardner. In a similar situation realized. too, when he's looking up into the. Uh, what do you call it? I'm not going to call it a porthole. The hole. The 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 hole. The, 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 the hole in the hole. The hole in the hole. The hole in the hole. Yeah. That's the name of my folk band. Hole, hole in the hole. Hole in the hole. In the hole. Yeah. <laughs> hole, in the hole. <laughs> hole in the hole. I love it. Uh, I I so the other thing that I was like really struck by rewatching this last night um, 
is, uh, you know, recently the internet has gotten obsessed with Spielberg's oneers, they call them, and oneers are just one long take. Right? Okay. Uh, and because oneers have become this big famous thing now with like um, Birdman being, you know, one extended right. oneer. Right. And, uh, uh, Alfonso Cuaron has sort of done a few of those that are very, very long, and he's sort of famous for them. Uh, there's been this sort of uh, interesting thing that's happened on the internet is, is people have cut together these videos of like, listen, filmmakers have been doing that forever. Mm-hmm. They just haven't been trying to show you that they've been doing it. They're not so hard on it that they want you to notice it. They just and make it happen. Exactly. And so people put together these montages of all these Spielberg wonders. And I was watching when I was watching this last night, there are so many great, really long takes in this that you don't even realize that's what's happening because mm-hmm. of the way he does it. My favorite one is when Brody uh, goes to to uh, try and get the scouts out of the water oh, when yeah. the scouts are doing the swim. Even and he, on the, the ferry. The ferry, exactly. That is one take. Is that he, real? He gets on the ferry, and then the camera sets itself up uh, on the corner of the ferry, and you see the mayor and everybody else mm-hmm. walk on behind him. And once the ferry starts moving, the camera never cuts. We, it just sits stationary as you watch him have that conversation with You're the right. mayor as the as the fairy trolls around. Mm. So, and what's great about the movie is every frame is full of motion. I mm. love this about Spielberg movies. They're always full of motion. And the way he, the way he does that accomplishes that is he has a basically one-to-one ratio of if my characters are standing still, everything else is moving. Mm. Everybody in the background is they're they're in a, a dance hall or everybody's dancing or right. blah blah blah. If my characters are moving, the camera is just as active as they are. It's mm. moving with them mm. so that everything else is kind of a blur and they're the focus. So everything is just constantly moving in this movie and that shot becomes great because they're so static. Nobody's moving. They're all just standing on the ferry talking. Everything else is moving. And that comes too from necessity. Yeah. Because at that time, like now when you look at a Quran or you look at a movie like Victoria, yep. like Russian arc or shit, or just whatever, like big long takes that are showy, it's impressive because of the choreography, yeah. but it's not as impressive because it's like, well, you could do this however much you want because, what is it, a couple bits on a flash drive? Right. Whatever. When you're working with film in the 70s, like he only had a certain amount of film to work real. with. So it just came down to, we have to get all of this done and we have we have this much of our reel yeah. left. So we don't have the luxury of cutting. Yep. Let's get this whole scene in. And that's, you know, that, that to me speaks to really good directing because he's not thinking in post. Right. He's not thinking in terms of, oh, we'll cut it together. It's we gotta capture everything, we gotta make it dynamic, we gotta make it alive, and we gotta get it all in in one take. Can we do it? Well, we have to. And the fact that a lot of these scenes were literally written the night before means the actors are memorizing these lines, mm-hmm. or absorbing it, and making it their own, which is which is incredible. Or even improving a bit. Yeah. I imagine yeah, so, oh, I know sure, we're going to sure. need a bigger boat. Was was ad libbed? Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, it's you know it's once you get these people that just feel the character, yeah. which is another strength of the movie, they can really live it. I think pay attention to that next time you watch it. That'll okay. give you something exciting yeah, to do no, when I'll you watch, watch it that, because yeah. it's like it's, again that scene. That's a ton of dialogue, mm-hmm. and it's interesting and exciting. And it's a lot. It's a lot of. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of uh, exposition to, yes. to get through that. But then also, uh, the the mayor is just when he has that uh, line when he's like he's like you know it's, it's psychological or whatever he's like you yell bar- barracuda and people are like huh what you yell shark and we have a you know uh, I forget it now crisis says, uh, uh, what not is a crisis uh, he, we, we uh, get a, we had a panic on our hands on the fourth of July fourth of July it's so good it's such a great line yeah and that, and it's great because it's like it's like you said it's like okay so they're writing this shit the night before mm-hmm. they're doing it all in one take the next day. And it's got that perfect button. That's how that cut yep. finally ends, oh, is on the button is. of that oh, line. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that is, that's just great writing, great mm-hmm. filmmaking, and they're doing it all like uh, just on the seat of their pants, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it, it, yeah it's, it's a fucking, I, I don't know, I think this movie is like a, a true masterclass. They don't make actors like, like Roy Scheider anymore. No. They don't make actors like any of these three dudes act. anymore. 
Classic. Yeah, yeah, he's perfect. These are three of the the most iconic movie characters mm-hmm. in one fucking movie. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 you know, like you're well, watching even the small characters are iconic. Like, yeah. we're talking about the mayor. I, he's the best character in the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great. He doesn't have an arc or anything, yeah. but god damn it, if he is not a complete. He's a cartoon without being a caricature. It's mm-hmm. it's awesome. I feel like I can say Mrs. Kittner to people, and they know who I mean. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know I what I mean. I can draw her for you yeah. out of memory Absolutely. right now. You know? yeah, she yeah. got those that the glasses and that teeth. Yep. And the line, I think, I think he was surprised by the slap too when she slaps him. Yeah, when she comes, I, there was there's something about that. Too, I'd be willing yeah. to bet that she was, comes that in. Was and a, just, a, yeah, that, that is such a uh, real fucking moment too. So it's, it's a, you feel both sides of that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, you, absolutely. You totally feel Brody's just broken frustration with what that means because he knows it's not his fault but it is his fault he has to take the blame yes. for it he'd yeah. be wrong not to yeah and the fact that he's drunk that night because that's, yes. that's the kitchen scene where it is i i was never like mesmerized with drinking or anything right. when i was a kid but i was like oh that's what that's what drinking's for like yes. that yeah, makes yeah. he's yes. okay he's he's all right even though it's a terrible thing to do yeah. he's he yes. that's i know exactly why he is drunk it's not just because we're it's it's not a good time drunk it's uh right. we're trying to forget drunk i actually you know what moment i loved is uh when he starts drinking in that scene it's not because the camera cuts to him at home and he's just drinking away this thing that happened he sits down his wife can see that he is just lost in his thoughts Mm -hmm. and and totally broken from this and she just grabs a glass grabs a bottle pours him a glass and puts the glass in his hand you would never see that in a movie today and so understand each other well we don't we don't like functional relationships in movies (laughs) anymore that's not a thing that we were talking about uh, with neighbors right one of the most refreshing things about that movie neighbors is that at no point do uh, seth rogan and rose byrne you know, get split apart. They're no. a team throughout the whole thing. They're so never like great. mad at never, each other for some dumb never, fucking reason. For yeah. like two seconds, they they have like a spat. Yeah. but it's never. It's not a driving part of the story right. or the plot. You never see that. We don't like that. Right. And I think that's once again that's a Spielberg thing. We talk about War of the Worlds. Yeah. Everyone goes, oh, it's so stupid that the kid survived. Don't you don't you want him to have survived? Yeah, yeah. And, and Spielberg wants him to have survived. Yeah. I, I love that he wants this, fa- and that's why I love the the give us a kiss line because yes. he needs because I son. need it. He well, and, loves his son, and, 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 and someone else lost theirs, so he's yeah. he's really appreciative, and that says to me something about him as a person. He's a good guy. He, you know, he knows what what was lost, and and, and that that family is is just his 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 rock that's oh yeah if you don't have that rock then he's he's just a man that's just, just adrift where, where you it's have just that duty that he that he's following without that rock right yeah. absolutely and and i had never been to new york city when i first saw this you know the first, i'm a little kid i've never been but like new york city to me was home because it was like oh it's it's a city and i understand what a city is i've been to a city uh-huh. so it's as crazy as it is it's so much more of a home than this crazy island where and if you watch the people the people are kind of assholes like that that lady mm-hmm. the, the you know the the the, the uh, college kid who reports the girl missing oh yeah like, yeah you can tell they're just a little bit above brody like mm-hmm. they the, the woman tells uh, ellen well, that she'll never be in vacation. ireland they're a little bit richer exactly you know, they, they have a, a beach home right and and, and so they or were tourists they were up yeah. against assholes. that yeah, yeah. They, they were up against that, and then yeah. you know he's you know you don't come in our town telling us what to do, yeah. and he's like, no, I'm the one that's right here, and he sticks yeah. to his. But like that family is what he can come back to, and he, right, like like the kid obeys him, like when he tells him to go into the pond. Oh yeah, and he's like the pond's for old ladies. I got to do it for your old man, and he does it. You yep. know, like in the it, uh, again the whole problem in this in Jaws two was because Michael is is a teenager. It's like, he's probably like seventeen, and okay. the other kid's like twelve. Uh, he's he makes he forces him to stay on the island because he doesn't want him out in the water and he disobeys him and goes out sailing and then that's what gets into the of course yeah yeah yeah, yeah. interesting one of the interesting. 
I, I forget what the context of it is, but it was always a nice moment when he gets for his birthday. He gets the boat. The yes. boat. Yeah. And That's you know, a great the wife's scene. like, "Hey, yeah. you know, let him, let him go out in the boat." Yeah. And he's torn. Like, all right, you know, I, I, I guess I should. That is yeah. the right thing to do. But stay, stay here. And it's very real too. Because she's, she's like, she's like, she's like, he's not going to go in the water. He'll probably never go in the water again yeah. after what he saw yesterday. And he's like, "No, nah, don't say that. I don't want that to happen." Yeah. Mm. And then he kind of comes back to it. And he's, a, and then then comedy happens. Yes. When she sees, she opens the book and she sees the shark attacking the sh- the hole yep, of the yep. boat. And he's like, "Michael, get out of the water yeah. now!" And, yep. it's just, and he and he turns His and reacts to it so much. Great. And he's just he's shocked by it. And yeah. it's just such a fun. Just such a funny scene. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's it does speak to just the the how functional their relationship actually yeah. is, uh, which is just a great thing to see. And actually, if you think about Spielberg's career and the way like the movies he made, one of the things that I think is like most fascinating about Spielberg is he's sort of like the most famous child of divorce, uh, and a lot of his movies are about fathers mm-hmm. uh, and either a lack of father or uh, a father that is there but is actually kind of absent even though he's there and it's int- and it's it's because he you know his his father I think walked out when he was five or something he was really really young when it, when his father left his family and uh, he the thing is th- those also who got him into filmmaking yes when he got older uh, but what is fascinating is when you watch like uh, Close Encounters right. Close Encounters is about a father who abandons his family yeah that is what that movie's about and to me, that movie feels like a, a child who is wrestling with, well, what made my dad do this to us? He's trying mm-hmm. to figure out, he's trying to address from the father's perspective, why might a father leave his family? Yeah, he's almost that, apologizing for his father. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. exactly. Well, he's even gone on to say that one of his, the big weak spot of that movie is, is like, the hardest thing about that is we do frame him as heroic. Right. But by the end of it, you know, it is still framed that way. But when you think about it, you're like, he really did just abandon everything. Did he leave? He did leave. He, he leaves. Then. He gets on the he, UFO. He, and he just leaves he's, his family. He's gone forever. Yep. And, yeah. so, and so, yeah, for that thing, it's like, you know, it is trying to defend that. But... From a consumer perspective, you know, especially one where both my parents are still together, yeah, you know, I just feel like this asshole. He got on a spaceship and left. Yeah, well, and you I know, think that's it, build a mashed potato mountain and fly yeah. away. Thanks. Well, what's interesting about that to food. me is that's like clear to me that that is Spielberg too young at that point to know that that's like truly a bad thing that his mm-hmm. father left. Mm-hmm. Right. He's wrestling with the idea that, no, I love my dad and he, my, went away he is spaceship. my dad, yeah. so he must have gone away for a good reason. Mm-hmm. What might that have been? And he's mm-hmm. like wrestling with that, right? That's why that character gets to be the hero of that movie. Yeah. Then you, this is only, you know, a few movies down the line uh, and we're dealing with a father who is very, very present, but at the end does leave his family behind but it's it the the reason he's leaving them and the journey he takes while leaving them is framed entirely differently. He's leaving for his family. Absolutely. Even though he's risking his life, he is leaving for their concern and mm. their safety and their protection. Yeah. Have either of you seen Bridge of Spies yet? No. No. First off, it's stellar. Yeah. It is. It is absolutely incredible, top to bottom. One of the best movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Tom Hanks's character. It's a put together family. Mm-hmm. They're not divorced or anything. He is going overseas to negotiate the exchange of prisoners. And he's doing it not because it's in the best American interest, not because it's in the best Russian interest, but because he's standing up for just the rights of this prisoner. Okay. Basically, that's all it is. It's just the rights of the prisoner. And as a, he's an insurance lawyer. And they just know that he's good. And this prisoner, who is 100% definitely a Cold War spy, 
against us, he's standing up for his rights. But the whole movie, he has a cold, and he just wants to get home. And so <laughs> he's doing it for beautiful. both of his, you know, uh, his his ethics, but as well as like I really just want to get home for my family. But at the same time, because he's defending this spy. Back at home, things aren't good for his family mm. because the father of this family is defending a Russian spy. Mm. You know, and it's it's when incredible, but place? they really when? do. This takes place like height of the Cold War. Okay. This is this is right in the midst of it. Incredible movie. I mean, really, really incredible. Highly recommend. But once again, it's Spielberg showing this guy's like duties as a father, mm-hmm. duties as a provider, mm-hmm. and duties to his own ethics. Mm-hmm. And it's so refreshing. Honestly, the last time that I've seen it is in Brody. Yeah, in that. Uh, a non-conflicted hero in terms of oh he's a little bit bad but he's actually good. Right. We love that now the same way we love Broken Families. Mm-hmm. We we need that, and it was so refreshing to see a guy who's just good, and he's just got real life pressures that come with the responsibility of being good. Yeah. And there's something so refreshing and exciting about it. And now talking about this, I realize that that is what dro- draws everyone to Brody. I, feel I think like. so. That's what draws. That's who you want to be. Yeah. yeah. Brody is the guy you want to be, and we don't often see that. Yeah. That I, I think that's one of the most fascinating ways to watch Spielberg movies is is take them in the historical context of him as a young man growing yeah. up and trying to deal with the fact that his father left mm-hmm. and watching the way he portrays fathers throughout his movies. And look at E.T. If, yes. you, if you think about that. it's there. There's no father. No father. Uh, he goes to Mexico with his new girlfriend. Yep. You just hear, uh, there's no last name. Uh, Elliot doesn't have a last name, which I think is very. I I think that is on purpose. Yes, because it's like there's no no tie to no his father. Rock, yeah, yeah, at all. So you don't see a last name. And then even even when I was a kid, I was five years old seeing because I I saw E. T. in the theater like. I think four times when I was five years Whoa. old. And here's the reason why is because everybody wanted to go see it. Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, we'll take a kid to see it. Uh-huh. So it's like my parents want to see it. My grandparents want to uh-huh. see it. My aunt and uncle want to see it. So I'm five. They would just take, I saw E.T. so many times in the theater. <laughs> and it was, it's it funny. Was, when I was a little kid, I hated amazing. that movie because it scared me. It scared oh, the shit out of me. I don't remember it because I've only seen it as a child. I'd love to revisit right. it. Well, and, and the thing that happened with me is like, I kind of hit that thing where it was scary, but I also loved it. Yeah. I'm like five, six years old. And I think it's, it's amazing. And, but then it just goes away yes. for, I think, six years where they don't release it for whatever reason because I think they were going to try to re-release it in the theaters. So it doesn't... Well, that was also the dawn of VHS. It's the dawn of VHS. And, you know, you have all these video stores. Yep. And you know, it was usually like six months, maybe a year mm-hmm. till it come out. And it just never came out wow. until like 88, I think. Yeah. And there was, there was a big thing because we had Omni Video at our, in our little uh-huh. strip mall. It's called Omni Video. And E.T. was coming out. And you could pre-order it like months ahead of time. So <laughs> every, nice. And literally, it cost like $90. Because back <laughs> oh, then, yeah. the, everything the was The rental so... copies came out first. as They were like $100. And yeah. it wasn't until after it was rental for a while that you could buy it for home. Yeah, and right. this and was it one got cheaper, that, you, yep. that you could buy like just as it was coming out. But it was like it was literally like $100. But everybody bought it. Like, it was Jesus. a big thing. Did and, your tape have the green bar? Yeah, mine did. It had the green, the flap yep. was green. Yep. 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 But the, the thing that happened was our video store went out of business from the time they started selling, like the pre, <laughs> like, so like there was this whole class action. I don't know that you'd go as far as class action, but like the town like rebelled because we're like, give <laughs> us our like, torch money back outside of Omni. Got ET. Fine, <laughs> that I forget is exactly so how funny. it was resolved. But, uh, That's amazing. But I, like even watching it as a little kid, like I don't really know what divorce is. I'm five, but like right. you find out what it is and then it's like this family's in, but then at the very end, not the, the end of the movie, the guys in the big spacesuits come yes. and mm. cause they're almost, they're the bad guys, even though they're just doing their jobs, working for NASA or whatever it is. Right. And, and they come in those, big tubes and then finally like et's like in the you know he's basically dying mm-hmm. and the one and e- e- elliot's all sad 
and the one guy pulls off like his helmet and has this very emotional moment with Elliot and like kind of talks to him about that. And for years, when I was a little kid, I just thought that was his dad. I was wow. like, oh, his dad came back. Yeah. yeah. And that's what he does now. And he came back. And because it, it was this very fatherly thing. Yeah, you recognize that, that, that as a fatherhood moment. Yeah, I've got yeah. to revisit this yeah. now, now yeah. that we're talking about it. That's, uh, and that is fascinating because if you think about it, that's also, again, part of the evolution of his thoughts about fathers, where mm-hmm. it's like by the time he makes ET, he's like, well, fuck my dad. He yeah. left. It's not my dad's story. This I shouldn't be telling stories about my dad. It's my mom's story. He's off in Mexico. Yeah. It's yeah. this is my mom's story. She's who's here. It's yeah. her story. Yeah. It also shows, I mean, in that moment alone, which I, I don't remember, short of you telling me, the value in just a father figure. Yeah, yes. You know, Absolutely. the fact that it immediately registered to you as <laughs> yeah. his father. Uh, I, was like, uh, says I think something I remember asking, I was like, is that his dad? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he was just very that is fatherly. wild. Yeah. Mm. Oh my God. Trying to think in what other movie. I mean, I always. I'm a big War of the Worlds fan, mm-hmm. and that was the one where it was a family facing divorce, and Tom Cruise was trying to reinsert himself as the father role in this family, and had kind of fallen out, and did, so that's another take on it. Did he direct Last Crusade? Uh, yes, he did. Okay, yeah, oh, so yeah, that's the so right there because like, I was thinking Indiana Jones. I mean, there's not a father figure, obviously, mm-hmm. and but then. Uh, yeah, but then that's all the Last Crusade is about is about the struggle between him and his to to a certain extent the struggle well, even between him and Crystal his Skull finds out he has a kid. Yeah, and yeah. it's Shulabu as I like to call him. Yeah, and even that explores you know what is his role as Indiana Jones the father. Mm-hmm. We've already seen Indiana Jones the son, and once again in Jurassic Park that was the big thing about Alan Grant's character was he doesn't like kids. Yep, and then. Now he kind of does he, by the end. He doesn't know the uh, he doesn't know the benefits of fatherhood. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so it's interesting. It's, it's interesting to watch Spielberg grow through Lost all World, of those stages. Uh, Jeff Goldblum's character is given a daughter. <laughs> Just yeah. they retcon a daughter into it, yep. and that's part of it. Is he is now a protector? He loves and family. He, he only believes in in chaos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's a fun thing that I wanted to do. Yes. Um, we talk about these actors that are playing these awesome characters, the three main characters, yeah, right. uh, Brody Hooper and Quint. Let's say that Jaws is being made today or remade today or however yeah. you want to do it. Who do we get for the characters? And I, I wow. came up with a list of a few people. I'm trying um, to, to me, like, okay, so I feel like maybe Hooper would be the easiest to cast. And here's the only reason I say that. Hooper. See, Hooper was hardest for me. I have like 10 people. Oh, really? Because yeah. here, here's my thought about Hooper. Hooper just needs to be, not just needs to be, but like he, he has to be sort of a brash, young, sarcastic guy, right? That's To me, that's the thing that calls out about Hooper to me the most. I think he's, I don't know if he has to be brash, but he has to be, he has to be confident and and in a world where he's like his science feels new. Yeah. And so he's he's both trying to prove his intelligence, especially to someone like Quint, mm-hmm. but he's also just trying to show him like, hey, you know, you can sit there and flex and throw spears and have barrels and all that, but I've got a fish finder on my right, boat. Right. You know, like he's trying to show that they're He's, he's basically represents yeah. progress. This is gonna sound weird. My thought for it is uh uh Jay Baruchel. Okay, he's not on my list, but uh, I could totally see that. Right? I could definitely see like that. Just kind of a young, like make him a little cockier than he normally is in movies, but just as quippy and smart, you mm-hmm. know? I feel like he would handle, I, I would believe him as like a young, really smart guy mm-hmm. who comes into this situation, you know? Absolutely. Who do you have? Well, there's a bunch of people. Like one of my coworkers actually suggested Seth Rogen. Oh, yeah. And I was like, you know, maybe maybe five, six years ago, sure. Yeah, five, yeah, five yeah. years ago. Yeah, I think he's too old Also, now. same thing with Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Uh, a little bit too old. But my main ones were um, Shia LaBeouf. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Cal Penn. Oh, yeah. Kumar. I would love that, actually. Yeah, he, yeah he'd be I thought great. he would be good. Ben Wishaw was, was another that? one. He's the new Q in all of the Bond movies. Oh. Um, he's in a, a bunch of stuff. 
And then uh, I, I toyed with the idea of Josh Lucas, but he scribbled out. <laughs> but my two main my main choices were uh, Daniel Radcliffe or Jesse Eisenberg. Oh, fascinating! I could That's totally yeah. see Eisenberg. Eisenberg doing is, is perfect because for that. he I could see him cutting open the shark and yep. rolling around in it, but I could also see him yelling at Quint and oh, yeah. getting mm-hmm. you know getting edgy with him. And I could see him being Riley funny too, mm-hmm. which yeah, is oh, the absolutely. other thing that yeah. he's got. Well, and I was picturing him in the end of the tour, yes, where there's a guy who is sort of threatening what he knows to be his own intellect mm-hmm. but he's a guy that as much as he doesn't want to be him he also admires him right and he really captured that in a way that hit home and i think that that matches yeah and that, that he would he would probably be my number one but i know, I, I really like daniel radcliffe or cal penn too those two really yeah. really worked for i me. like cal penn that's a really yeah, cool show because well, you know, yeah. i could see him doing that oh that totally feels right even to me. in something like harold and kumar where he is this stoner but he's also this brilliant doctor yep. who's just well, he's brilliant in real life too. I don't know if you've ever yeah. seen any of the stuff he oh, does, yeah. like outside of comedy. But he's a really, really smart guy. Well, just, he was working for the Obama administration yes. for a while. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I don't know if he yeah. still is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has a series on on uh, Netflix that's awesome. Yeah, it's like a documentary series just about something new every week. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. It what about you? You got any thoughts about yeah, that? No, I, I think I'd have to sit on this. Like, yeah. I, I, I think I could come up with like the worst. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> who, who do you got? Yeah. Okay, like, uh, uh, like who would Hollywood cast right now if they were remaking Jaws? Rihanna. Yeah, Rihanna. Uh, yeah, it would be uh, Optimus Prime. Be, uh, and then Tracy Morgan as Quint. I oh, think that would be, be amazing. Would that be great? We I would love it. It actually yeah. be great. <laughs> I, would, I, would watch, I would watch that as like, Tracy Morgan as all the characters. Yeah. I think Wait, that's so a, if they do like a death at a funeral where they remake Jaws, but they do it with like Mike Epps. And, yeah, right. Uh, you know, like a, a couple of the original actors are back. But, yeah, you know, yeah. Bruce is back. We're going to catch Bruce. Yeah. That shark was my father. Actually, the shark is played by comedian Bruce Bruce. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, which I just I just worked with Bruce Bruce this Did past you really? week. I oh, swear to God, in Raleigh. Yeah, that's Bruce amazing. Bruce. Yeah, it was uh, me and Bruce Bruce in Raleigh for six shows. Is he a killer shark? Uh, he's a killer, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. He, uh, he sold out, I, I think, six, seven, seven shows, I think. Wow. Yeah. It was crazy. He, no, call he, me he, when so, you work with Hamburger. Yeah. I would be so amazed. It would be so good. <laughs> Oh, Amber. You're legit starstruck. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. To- I totally would be. Yeah. You know me. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hamburger Jones. Yeah, just, uh, 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 you know, it's like, you all know me. You all know how I make a living. Yeah. Hamburger. Hamburger. <laughs> and everyone's like, it's funny because it's true. Yeah, yeah. It's that, funny by it's the true. way, that's why I like that they cut that scene with Quint and the kid. Yeah. Because, my fav- it, because if you had that scene, you would have this introduction to Quint as a fisherman and blah, blah, blah. Right. One of my favorite lines in the movie is he scratches his nails down the yeah. chalkboard. Oh, yeah. And the first thing he says, we've never seen this guy before, is, y'all know me. Y'all know how I make a living. Yep. That's yep. my favorite line. I love yep. that. Uh, and and I feel a, like that's got to be the first thing you hear that dude say. It, it really is. It really is. And uh, and then yeah. he says he's. And then like a few scenes later, he's like, Ah, you know what? I do shocking. Yeah, so that's well, how he refers when to he it. Shocking down there. The reaction from the audience is like, Oh God, I hate this that. fucking guy. And you can tell everybody's reaction is, Oh, this guy I forgot about <laughs> him. Yeah, we all know this guy. We fucking hate him. Yeah. So you don't need that background because the scratch says yeah. everything. And he's got such a contempt for. The crowd too. Oh yeah. Because he, he, he just gets up and leaves, yeah. and he tells it, and he's he's like, uh, he's like, uh, whatever he says, he's like, Mister Mayor, Chief. Yeah. And then he just looks, and he's got this this shit eating grin on his face. He's just like, 
ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, and just, right. and just walks and also out. That, like, Fuck you, you, you know what I noticed this for the first time? A guy gets up and walks out with him. There's like he's got like a minion. Oh yeah, yeah, just, yeah. it's a minion with yeah. the dog. He's because yeah. the minion goes with him to the to the uh, piano store, yeah. and it's just this old guy, and he's got he's got a basset hound with him. Yeah. It's just him and his basset hound, just, and the basset hound is actually in that scene. You don't see it, right? But if you knew the the piano scene, yes. you can you can hear you can hear the basset hound walking, and and he's he's. I just love the idea again. That tells you so much about. Quint, the yep. idea that he makes this crazy speech, then stands up and sneers at everybody, mm-hmm. and then just this other little guy gets up and he's like, "All right, Mr. Quint," and just like, follows. And you can him tell the goes. town's probably had some history with him. Oh yeah, where he caused some trouble. Well, you know, and I think he's got like a, a po- bar fight He's or a poacher too, I think, because he even says he's like, "Get a, he, when he's negotiating the deal with yes. with uh, Brody, he's like, "Get the mayor off my town, with mm-hmm. all this zone off my ass with all this zoning stuff." Right. He, he's going out, he's poaching, and he's he's doing whatever. So you know he's shady. Well, he's 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 making his own uh, liquor. Yeah, yes. and he's not oh, hiding yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. 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 Well, and I get funny. the impression that this is a dude. He's a fisherman from way back, right? Yeah. I get the impression this dude ha- was born on this island, has mm. lived on this island his whole life, and made a living on that island when there was no economy there. You no made tourism. the economy. Yeah. You, ma- if you wanted to make money, you made that economy oh, yourself, yeah. and you, you did it through hard you work. You Ugh. caught your fish, you ate it, you sold that fish. Mm-hmm. Now he lives in a town where they think all they have to do is work for three months a year, and yeah. that will carry them through the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is not life to Quinn. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. That is an invasion on what he considers life to really be. What makes life worth living? You and know? if you look at New England, I guess any coast town, I'm sure. Like, like we, we have friends who live on the coast of Maine, and yeah. they've lived there for generations mm-hmm. since, since the 1800s, you know, way back. Yeah. And they've lived there, and they were down east Maine people who came from families of fishermen, and, and yep. they had a hard life. And, and now all of these yuppies are coming in, and all of these people, and, yep. and three months a year, and they, and they do their thing, and they think they're hot shit. And there's, you know, it's just it's so frustrating. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it, it's such a fascinating uh, character dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To mm-hmm. to have this guy that's like. We we sort of get introduced to the town through Brody, who is kind of new to the town as well, so mm-hmm. it's all very new to us. And then we get introduced to a character who's been there forever, and we don't really know how to feel about him, right? Uh, because the because t- Brody doesn't seem to know how to feel about him. But the reality of that situation, once you get through the movie, is like he's the guy that doesn't know how to feel about anybody. Like he's the guy that is actually should be pretty comfortable there mm-hmm. and has this is all invaded on him and encroached on his life mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's fa- it's such an interesting dynamic you know and it also it's it's good set dressing just for yeah. the for the town we get a feel for a little bit more of the town albeit subconsciously it gives us a little more meat to chew on yeah uh you know what i wanted to bring up we'll get back to the casting thing in a second uh when we were talking about breaking the axe up i paid attention like breaking it up into like two or three acts yeah. the movie i paid attention last night uh this movie is two hours and ten minutes long, mm-hmm. and when that shot happens through the the shark mouth mm-hmm. that sh- shows the orca finally leaving the harbor out to sea, yes, an hour and ten minutes into the movie, is that right? It it takes us an hour before they even start hunting the shark. Shark, wow! Think about that. They don't movies just don't get made at that pace anymore. No, you know what I mean. Like we would be on the oh, water hunting for that shark, shark by the, the half first hour. 10 minutes. Yeah, you know and. In, and I mean, they'd be guess, hunting for it within a half hour. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm. It's it's crazy how much time they spend building. Like you said, building all these characters that by the time once they go out on the water, we're never going to see them. Relevant. Yeah. yeah. There was, I mean, to compare it to a Spielberg thing, and actually, your, your boy Max Landis had yeah. a thing about this. He was talking about how to sell a script now is is a lot different. You couldn't sell a Raiders of the Lost Ark script. Mm-hmm. The first twenty pages of that is an action sequence. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's all well and good. I mean, you you definitely want to put your best foot forward. Yeah. Boom, hit them with some action. But any producer now would be like, okay, who are you? Who are your characters? Yeah. You know, what do they? What do they want? What are their motivations? And it's like, 
we don't need that yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, this is the yet. hook. Yeah. And so, you know, we do get that hook at the beginning, and yeah. then we get into the character. You couldn't really do that. Yeah. Now we want that shark attack, yeah. but we want to see the teeth. We want to see the blood. You know, we want a famous person to die within the first time. You know, whatever yeah. it is. Which, do it like this. which uh, again, goes back to Spielberg, goes back to Hitchcock, the things that you don't see. I yeah. don't yep. want to see that stuff. I, and, and I'm all for, like, a gory movie, sure. and that's fine, yeah. and it's fun. And, I mean, you know, one of my, maybe my favorite heart is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, yeah. But it's it's the stuff that you don't see. It's that that subtle mm-hmm. stuff that that scares me the most, and that I that I love the most. When they reveal the girl's body on the beach, they hardly reveal a thing in the beginning of the movie. Oh, after so she's oh, been attacked, just crabs yeah. picking yeah. at her. You, you barely you see, see anything. The fingers, and that's it. And you don't see her when the when Hooper's in the medical examiner's right. office, and he's horrified. Yep. You're horrified by him, and he's somebody who's a professional who yep. should know how to do this. Mm-hmm. And he, he he needs a glass of water. He's just yep. he's almost hyperventilating and. You, I don't think you see anything. It's no. just, although the fact that her entire remains is literally like in Ooh. a bucket, yeah. like it's in a, a little drawer, tiny box, which is, which is just, and it's such a dark scene. Yeah, it's and you just see the lights, and he's got that. Oh, that's that's so yeah. good. Oh, I was laughing about that actually. That that headset he wears mm-hmm. that he's recording into. Mm-hmm. It, it was only this time watching it now as as like an adult and just thinking about the passage of time that I was like, oh my god, when this movie came out, that must have looked like. That must oh, have been how we knew how he was so money and smart, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. was because he had this crazy High technological tech. device. He's from the future. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, you know, I, I see that now, and I, I like... Actually, Hooper does not read as like a very rich character when you watch it now. I don't think because yeah. none of the none of that stuff seems all that impressive. But I imagine at the time those were all supposed to be signifiers of just how much well, money they make this a, guy has, a you know? message that he's working off a grant. Yes, you yes, know, and yes. he's he's oh they explain a, a it to you, but, yeah. but just to look at him. Oh yeah, and he, he so does advanced. say he is rich when yeah. he's he's like, "What do you have all that stuff? Is, are, what are you rich?" And he's yeah. like, "Yeah, sort of, or yeah, something like that." So he does mm. kind of mention that, but it's not. Yes. I think another weird thing about him, and it's maybe just me as a kid watching him, and he has the beard, which yeah. I think is. Another thing, uh, all through the first act, they refer to him as a young fella. Yeah. Hey, young fella. Like, he's this kid. And young people looked look older like in movies that did. happened when I was yeah. a kid. Yep. He, yes. Because he, he is not. fucking young in that movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think he's like in his 20s. Yeah. But he doesn't look it. He no. looks old and he yeah. looks like I wish he almost didn't have the, the, facial, the hair. facial hair. I think that was a big thing for me. I was like, why do they keep calling him a young fella? Yeah. He's, he, he doesn't look like it. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. But I did, he, he definitely, I think, does a good job of playing kind of young if that makes sense so he yes. would have been he would have been 27 yeah okay yep. yeah uh he he plays you know he's got that like I, I keep saying brash because that that is kind of how he strikes me like his first line is when he gets pulled up and he just looks that guy up and down and goes hi yeah real sarcastic to him like yeah okay buddy yeah it, it's a very young fucking like fuck you island yeah. townies and then he yeah, fucks yeah, with yeah. the guys who are gonna die in the yes, boat he's yeah. like you know he's like uh the chief wants me to tell you yeah. that uh he, he it's unsafe to be in there yep. and he's like ah good and he's like well can you tell me a good uh, restaurant or hotel on the island yep. and and you know they're, they're like yeah just walk straight ahead which is just walk off the pier yeah. and he just laughs he's like ah they're all gonna die <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah well and like with brody you know brody is like a little bit older a little more mature right and so when quint starts barking orders at brody brody's a little more willing to be like well, this guy He's a little bit older. He's got some experience. He knows mm-hmm. what he's talking about. I can mm-hmm. listen to some of this. Yep. It's not until he feels like the guy's actually like mad, has mm-hmm. gone mad, that he's upset with him. Whereas the younger, the kid, uh, Hooper, is just so fucking frustrated with him the moment another man starts trying well, to tell him what to do. Right? And you I know? think that, that something that really signifies Hooper's youth is that wearing full denim, <laughs> that's a young man's <laughs> yes. game. Yes, it yes. is. That is a yes, young man's is. game, yes. and he rocks it. 
I really wish when he cut open the shark and all of that milky white goop went all yeah. over him, he was like, ah, my jeans. <laughs> that would have that would have made it. I would have been like, oh, he is young. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, when I saw it, probably the first time I was probably eight or nine. Yeah. So he seemed like he was. He could have been ninety. He's yeah. that new because you don't know. You know. Yeah. The the one thing that I think really makes him seem young is when he comes over to their house and he has the bottle he's like so you could tell he's classy and college educated yes. he's like oh I brought a, a red and a white I didn't know what you're having but he sits down and, and he starts talking and he kind of talks out of turn because he tells Ellen that they, they didn't catch the shark that they wanted to right. and but one of the first things he does he's like is anybody eating this and he just grabs the <laughs> yeah, food yeah, and yeah. starts eating so moment. he's kind of like it's it's to me like I he's a kid it's like it's almost like he's like a starving college student. Yeah. Yep. Like he's like, "Oh, is anybody eating this?" And he just yeah. digs right in yeah. and just goes for it. It's also, funny to think that that was back when it was like not everyone went to college. Right now, college is like, "Yeah, you do it." Yeah, you know, and it's yeah, that was that a scene big also thing. has a big that, college man. Yeah, it's got that great moment with the wine where he does hand the red wine over, and Brody opens the wine, uh, and he he looks at everybody and says, "Do you want wine?" And they all nod and say yes. And then he's got like just a full size glass, mm-hmm. and then there's two other like normal wine glasses yeah, yeah, on the yeah. table, and he just he uncorks the wine and immediately starts pouring it into his big glass. And uh, Hooper goes, "Oh, you might want to let that breathe." No, okay, nothing, right. yeah, nothing, yeah, yeah, yeah. nothing. Okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. As he just fills his glass to the top with wine, and then does like a little pour in his mm. wife and Hooper's glass. It's so funny. Yeah, I fucking this movie is just exceptional. Mm-hmm. It, it is. Astoundingly exceptional, and it is it is a summertime blockbuster. Like it always makes me think of summertime. Oh, yeah. as it makes oh, yeah. me think of it, the Jersey Shore, even though it's it was York. the inception of the blockbuster. Actually, that yes, did, that didn't exist didn't before this happen. movie. Yeah. And it's such a great movie to do that. I mean, a lot of blockbusters are shit anymore. Yeah, but it's just. It, yeah, it's you can't not enjoy the movie. Yeah. yeah, but it's funny now the way that blockbusters have changed. Whereas that became a blockbuster because they pushed it to be you know come on out for this big event. Yeah. And so the movie was made first, and we created the event out of it. Now we almost do the opposite. Yes, we have an we event. We create coming. the event, and then they build a movie to fill it. You yeah, know, well, you, and get, you get marketing. You're like, oh, can we make dolls out of this for yeah, the action right. figures? Exactly. Can we make T-shirts? Jurassic this? World. Ah, yeah. And so you get this, you know, and you get you get a product made to fit the mold. This yeah. was a mold that happened around the product. Now, of course, that's what's going to happen, but it proves that you can make a blockbuster that has a brain. Uh, last time that happened was like Inception. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like where, where it actually has a real good movie that turned out to be a blockbuster. But this created that mold and we have gone and flipped it. Oh, yeah. And, and, I, just, and I just feel like everything's so segmented with the internet and every more and, mm-hmm. and people go to Netflix and, and that you don't have that same feeling of like, it must have been amazing to go see. Like, I remember kind of the tail end of like Star Wars. Like, I, again, I, it was right around the same time. I was like six or so when uh, Jedi came out. Yeah. And it's you have sort of that sense of like wow something big is happening yep. mm-hmm. and it's really oh, actually the uh, eighty nine was such a huge year oh Batman I, yeah I was like ten or eleven and uh, I was actually in L A because my brother this is a whole other thing but my yeah. my brother I, w- I was in sixth grade and he was in third grade he won the Nickelodeon's Kids Choice Awards sweepstakes Whoa, that was a thing man. that happened that's amazing he, we, he sent in a postcard Did they you get pulled slimed? his name. Uh, no, but we did this double dare thing where it was like pie throwing and shit like that. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but I was, my brother and I were on the 1989 kids choice awards. Uh, <laughs> That's and, amazing. And, of course you were. Yeah. Of course. And, uh, but that was 89. That was the yeah. year. And we were, the, the, this is actually, this is my big movie star moment. This, this really, so one of the, one of the big things that happened was that you get us 
part of this big prize is for a week we had a limo driver and it was a stretch <laughs> limo because it was the 80s so it was this dude and he was just 24 they hours created a monster that's where it all began yeah <laughs> and 24 hours a day you could just call him and he would just come and pick you up <laughs> and he would take us and you know literally it's it's it, it was me and my mom and dad and my brother yeah. and our cousin and our grandmother went so it wasn't like yeah. a bunch of assholes so it was like but like we had things that we we're gonna do and he would drive the one thing he drove us to the hollywood bowl and there was nothing going on that night at the Hollywood Bowl, uh-huh. so he just waved because he knows people because he's a limo driver, and they just waved him in. And we got to like get up on stage at the Hollywood Bowl and like kind of run around. Whoa! Because just it was just like empty, nobody was there, so like oh yeah, run around. And, That's amazing. But here, here is this is this is a movie movie moment. Yeah. Uh, we were there the Friday night. I believe it was a Friday night that Batman opened. I knew this Whoa. was going to be Batman. We we were at. Grumman's Chinese Theater, yeah, like the big event, and our our limo driver, who's literally his name was Benny Hill. His, his our limo <laughs> oh, driver's name was Benny that's Hill. Amazing. Did ben, he drive in fast motion? It was it real choppy? <laughs> uh, he slapped people with bald heads. Uh, he was like, "Oh, guys, I love this. You're, you're gonna love this." Because all we wanted to do was walk Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. like, because we've never been to Hollywood before. We're gonna see Hollywood Boulevard. He's like, "Oh, we'll give you the treatment." He's like, "Trust me." He's like, "You're gonna love this." He pulls up in front of Grumman's Chinese Theater. There's a red carpet. He walks around, opens the door for us, and dozens and dozens of people start snapping our photos. Oh He's like, just make sure God. you wave. And we just wave. Yeah. And people are like, take it, like tourists and, yeah. and paparazzi. This picture is out there somewhere. Pic- oh, I got to find our it. Our pictures are definitely in people from Iowa's, like their, their picture yeah. album. And uh, we just like waved. And then we just walked down the street. Like, because we just left. Holy that shit. That was amazing. That was That's our, incredible. Yeah. When you become world famous comedian Chip Chantry, someone's going to dig up that photo. They'll like, find Did it. you know oh, yeah. that uh, he was the kid's was his brother? The, was a kid's yeah. choice winner. He was yeah. the premiere of Batman. Of Batman yeah. of all things. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, but that was the summer of. I, yeah, what else? Well, Batman was another one that redefined the blockbuster. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that is sure you could talk Superman really launched the superhero movie, but the way we understand superhero movies now is all informed by Burton's yeah. Batman. Yeah, yeah, and and Keaton is mm-hmm. I, I, maybe it's just because I'm a kid. But I was a kid, but Keaton's my favorite Batman. Like yeah. he oh, was just besides, done. I mean, besides yeah. Adam West, but you know, Keaton. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, Keaton was he was just it, and. Uh, he, but but yeah, that whole summer it was like that. It was like Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Yes, which is that's another the first movie I ever saw in the theater. Was it really? Yep. Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Such yep. a great movie. Oh, love that uh, movie. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Might that have been sounds the year right. Before it was right around that. That time. was earlier, but there was a Maybe. Roger Rabbit cartoon, oh, Tummy yes. Trouble, that opened up. up and, Honey, I, Hun- Honey the I Shrunk the Kids. Yep. I do remember that. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, but there was there was a bunch of movies. That was the year that. Uh, UHF came out. Yes, mm-hmm. UHF would have been a much bigger movie, but yep. it just got buried by I'm, all of the. Well, I, I want to tell you, it Last actually. Crusade too, or was that Last Crusade? I think Last was that Crusade, year. I think yeah. You're right. Year. I believe it was. And I want to say Back to the Future Three. That yeah. one though, that was '90s, so two would have been two, '88 or '89. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. they were back right to back. Right they were shot yeah. together. Well, supposedly, I think UHF actually came out. I think like the same weekend or the weekend before Batman. I think it was Batman that actually ate it alive. Yeah, and it just it you know obviously didn't get anything, but it's and it's such a such a good movie. I love UHF. I mean. I, 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 I'm so happy that Weird Al got his due later in yes. life because so many comedians like Pat Oswalt, Paul yes. Tompkins, all that, who were fans of his are now in a position of power. Then you'd be like, no, he's brilliant and hilarious. Oh, yeah. So he's getting his due. But that movie, I mean, that was just one of the ones That's we would just great. watch. At First nausea. concert I ever went to was Weird Al. Weird Al. Same here. Same yep. across the table, baby. I, yep. I finally saw him. I only saw him maybe about three or four years he puts ago. puts on a great time. show. Dude, his it show was, is I've incredible. heard for years, and I, I was not disappointed. Weird the Al amount of costume on. changes that dude does, yep. it, it's it's crazy. He's yeah. a regular Lady Gaga. Let yeah. me tell you. Uh, two of the best shows I ever saw, uh, and like not necessarily like specific fans of these people, but just in general, uh, was him and Prince. I went to, oh, I went wow. to see really? Prince. 
in wow. also did the soundtrack for Batman. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, the musicology tour in like oh five oh six. Yeah, my brother and his now wife went to go see Prince, and I somebody had like two extra tickets, so I kind of bought them almost as a joke, and I was like, <laughs> ah, I'll go see Prince, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And like me and my our one other buddy went, and we walked out of there just, just. Jump that yeah. like basically in tears because of course he closed with Purple Rain <laughs> and I was like just the biggest Prince fan after that I mean just like, so this is what it sounds yeah. like this is, this is what Chip it sounds cries. like when Chip cries that's exactly what it sounds like yeah I actually uh. just recently they showed I'm not going to get the title but it translates to Rain the color of blue with a little bit of red in it. And it is a Nigerian remake of Purple Rain. Somebody posted a trailer from that and it yeah. looks it is, amazing. It's a really cool movie. It's very, very... It's definitely Purple Rain. Mm-hmm. But it they, it really just uses Purple Rain as a jumping off point to get to its own story. But I don't know what the, what the language is. It's a language that has never been featured in a movie before. But it is Nigerian Purple Rain. Mdao Mokhtar is the wow. Nigerian prince. Is that the one where he kind of has like... He's like scarves wrapped around his face? Yes, yes. Yeah. Because okay. his dad, much like Purple Rain, his dad is ashamed because all musicians become alcoholics. Right. That's, that's <laughs> at least the angle of this one. They all become alcoholics. And so he... Uh, has to uh, play undercover. Wow! It's the, actually they're doing it a couple more times with the film festival oh, yeah. at Filmocus. So I definitely see it if you can. Mm-hmm. I saw it. it's awesome. Uh, if awesome. I can put a plug in for a movie that you guys Please. should check out sometime when you're bored, it's terrible, and you have to I think go on YouTube to find it. Yeah. Uh, but I just revisited the. I was. I, oh, it was, it was when I was up in Connecticut working for that job, and like I was literally just in a hotel room every night by myself, and I was just bored. So I was just on YouTube and Netflix, you know, just watching everything. Uh, and I found it. There is a, I believe, 1986 or 87, I believe it's ABC TV movie called The Midnight Hour. Okay. And it was, it came out on Halloween, and I was, like, again, I was, like, nine years old at yeah. Halloween, and you would see all the, and we watched it on Halloween night, like, after, late at night after we went trick-or-treating. My, my buddy Damon slipped over, so it was, like, me and my brother and him, and we stayed up and watched it. And it was basically just about these high school kids who live in this town in Massachusetts, and they find, like, they, they, they break into the museum, and it's kind of like Salem witch trial, Puritan era, and they, like, steal the costumes for, from... That's going to be their costumes for the big party that yeah. night. But then they and they find some scroll, and of course they say some sort of like chant or something like that. Naturally. And then all of these bodies rise, which they don't realize, and then go around and kill people. But like it's so, it's 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 just so tame because it's 1986, an ABC TV movie, yeah. uh, and all like the high school kids. There's literally a chaperone at the party, like it's a house party, like a John Hughes thing. But there's a chaperone at the party, and the chaperone's drinking wine, and it's the hot like 22 year old teacher. Of course, and she has so wine, but funny. nobody else drinks. Yeah, and but they just go around dancing, and That's so uh, funny. It's it's a uh, okay. Uh, Lavar Burton oh, is, is one of the high school kids. Yeah. Peter DeLuise. Oh, uh, and uh, who is? Uh, the daughter of uh, who sings the banana boat song? Uh, what's his name? What? Uh, uh, banana boat. Uh, it's his daughter. Ba- uh, 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 why? Why am I blanking? Ba- ba- I, I should know this. Uh, I'm embarrassed. Uh, uh, I was about to say Bobby Farron. That's not no, right. No, no, no. It's, it's years ago. Yeah. Bobby Farron lives in Philadelphia, by the way. I, I have a story, no I, I shit. Can tell you a story about that. Yeah. Uh, uh, what's? Oh, are you looking it up? Banana boat. Uh, 
No, I'm looking at Midnight Hour and just oh, there's every movie called that. Yeah, but um, Sherry Belafonte. Sherry so Belafonte. Harry Belafonte. Yes. Oh, Harry, yes. Damn, Sherry yeah. Belafonte. I, I believe it's his his daughter. But uh, just shitty movie, but yeah. so much fun. Is the is uh, the song Rebel Yell in it at, at any point? Oh, Rebel Yell's way too out. <laughs> like, it's okay. way too bad for that. Like literally, the director the, the, of the Midnight, Midnight Hour. Hour has quite the career. He's done episodes of Game of Thrones, of oh. Under the Dome. Oh. Has he really? Uh, he's done a lot of Lost, The Sopranos. Oh. Um, this must have been early in his career then. Um, yes, this was early in his career. He did some Boston. I mean, I'm going through a ton and ton of TV. Mm. But there's also a couple movies here, such as Child's Play 3. Oh. Yes, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah, a lot of, and The Midnight Hour. Wow. Uh, but it's the the most tame, quote-unquote, <laughs> horror movie oh, in I the love world. That. And it's just... He directed but it's, Fame. Oh, oh wow. Did he really? Wow. Okay, so he that did, goes he back did even Falcon further. Crest. <laughs> yeah. Who hasn't directed a Falcon Crest, though? <laughs> yeah, right? right? I directed a Falcon yeah. Crest. I created Falcon yeah. Crest. <laughs> Um, yeah, but uh, it's it's just such a great shitty movie, and yeah. it's just it's so cheesy because like you can sh- like they're not showing the high school kids drinking, so they're just right. at a party having a good time. Yeah. They're not having sex, but like they kind of talk about it, but not really. Yeah, great. Uh, movie. It's got Kurtwood Smith in it. Oh, oh yeah. Wait, who's Kurtwood Smith? Red Foreman from from that seventy show. He's also the bad guy in RoboCop. What the heck is his name in RoboCop? I can't it's remember. So- I'll find it. It's yeah. so good. It's got Wolfman Jack in it, so you Woo. know. Oh, it was Wolfman a Jack movie. is in it. It's awesome. great. It's, it's, I think it's. I don't even see Wolfman Jack, but you definitely. He is the radio DJ yeah, of the town. Yeah. And but Midnight Hour, the song is prevalent in, in it. It's <laughs> just a great shitty movie. Yeah. Uh, Clarence J. Boddicker. That's oh, Robocop. Oh yeah. Okay. So there you go. Uh, uh, actually, speaking of uh, amazing TV uh, performances, uh, do you know what I'm actually doing tonight? What? Uh, after this, I'm going home to my my lady friend. Yeah, and we are watching on Netflix the final episode because we've been we've, we've been sort we've been uh, marathoning it kind of over the last couple of weeks. The final episode, which I've never seen, of Twin Peaks season, oh, season oh, two. Oh man, yeah. yeah. The end of that's gonna blow your mind. It, it does yeah. really. Uh, it's we've stuck it's horrifying. Th- we've stuck through it. I I saw the first season of Twin Peaks and then. Up until the in the second season, up until they found out who killed Laura yes. Palmer, and then everybody told me this: the rest of it is. Well, that's just where shit. David Lynch bailed. Yes, right. and he's like, I don't want to be a part of it. When his character returns, yeah, that's about the time he started to have more of a fingerprint on it again, okay. and it all starts to kind of come back together yeah. into something worth watching. Because it's not terrible. No. I mean, there was a couple episodes that mm-hmm. were shit, but you can it's, see that they're it's, spinning wheels to try and give it some life. To give it some life, but it's yeah. just so much fun, and mm-hmm. so. For the first time ever, we were watching the, and I didn't think my girlfriend would like it because I watched the first season a couple yeah. years ago, and I was like, ah, maybe you'll like it. Let's rewatch it, and she's like way more into it than I. Well, I mean, I, I still love it, but the thing that I think is fascinating about the show that I love about it so much is that first season plays like a soap opera. Oh, it, 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 it absolutely is. There's not much weird about it, other yeah. than that it's in the tone of a soap opera. Yeah, and then immediately the second season is a David Lynch show. It's yes. you know what I mean. Yeah. And I love the thing that, is though that first season to say that it's the tone of a soap opera, I think is very David. Lynch. Lynch. Oh yeah. I mean when 100%. you look at Blue Velvet that is that is melodrama right, but, done to its it, but, to the but there's and, and that's that's our next movie that we're watching because my oh, girlfriend's awesome. never my girlfriend's never seen oh, Blue Velvet. I watch that I, at least I, once I, a year every year I revisit it. The point I was the making best. is there's nothing else Blue Velvety about it. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's it's it has none of the the hallmarks of his weirdness other than that it's a soap opera. But it's it's almost like someone trying to do an impression of him yes. poorly. It feels like he did made a really smart choice actually which was I'm going to tone myself down for the first season. So that we get greenlit for another one, yeah, and then the show will become the real show that I'm trying well, to make. And that being said, he didn't ever want to reveal the killer right. of Laura. No, Palmer. he just wanted to let it go. He just let it be a thing. And then once that happened, he was yeah, he, he was, was like, out. Fuck he it. was like, yeah. no, I don't want to be. One I, thing that I, they I never explained 
worth it, though. You'll I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited. This is literally the last... We were watching the last episode tonight. I wish they expanded upon who Diane is. Yes. Yeah. Oh, know. I know. I it's never a thing. Love Diane. Yeah. Yeah. And he's there. not even in the bureau at the end, and he's still just still sending talking to her, Diane. He's just sending her cassettes, yep. which, is, which is great. Yep. Damn fine coffee, Diane. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that's he's a, that's a show that characters. made me like get into coffee for a while. Coffee and pie? No, I was, yeah, I was like, yep, I'm going to get into that, get some donuts. He's one of my favorite TV characters. Mm. I love that character oh, so much. By far. Just, yeah. I feel like he gets a little, not wishy-washy, but he, you just get into the tone of it. But when he first comes on the scene, and he's just so robotic and yes. so... By the book, and, like mm. by the book, but you know, I'll kind of mix it. But with it's his he, book, and yeah. he just yes, and he just holds up, like he always holds up his hand. Hold on, just a second. He's like, <laughs> that was a great couple. It's, oh, that it's, is the best. I, oh, what was the line? Ah, fuck it. I'm I, never gonna remember. I he love says when, something about the coffee. Well, I love when they're out in the woods for no reason at all, and he's got a chalkboard for no reason at all. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And they're and throwing to see what sticks. Yeah. yeah, and they're throwing to see what sticks, and then right in the middle of it, he takes a sip of coffee and spits it out, and everybody thinks he just realized, like, he just like broke the case, and he's like. His coffee is terrible. <laughs> yeah, he loves his coffee. Yeah. Every so day good. you give yourself a treat, be it a you know a, a nap in your chair right. or two cups of fine black coffee. And there's so many terrible actors in oh, that. Yeah. Uh, like that, I, I'm assuming David Lynch did that on purpose. He's like, I oh, want that stuff. Yeah. I want you to be yeah. terrible. Yeah. I mean, the, just the uh, the the sheriff is yeah. is a hor- terrible terrible acting job. But but you, you end up loving so that much. character. You yeah. just love him. Yeah. But yeah, his his acting is is terrible. Terrible. Yeah. The the show is probably half and half. Like mm-hmm. people actually yeah. doing some good work, and then people either doing terrible work or very intentionally doing something. Mm-hmm. That seems to not work, but is working. You yeah, know? and then Billy Zane shows up, and you just can't yeah. really have any yeah. grasp of what's going yes, on. It's just, David Duchovny shows Zane. up eventually. Oh, David Duchovny shows up in, in, in yeah. drag. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. so good. Yeah, Lynch's character is hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it just screams. Yeah. Yeah. That show to me runs a parallel to if you guys remember Nickelodeon's Doug. Oh yeah. In that every character has their own theme. Yes. And it's always a a theme that. Even before they enter, when the theme starts, you're like, you know all right, coming. we're going to get some, we're going to get some, um, you know, what's her name? We're going to get some of this, yeah. some of that. Yeah, uh, you just smell it. What, uh, what is the the girl's name that, it, uh, like, crushes on on uh, Cooper uh, the Audrey? whole time? Audrey. Her yeah. theme Audrey, is the best. That's it, yeah. I love her theme. Yeah. That, like, sultry kind of noir theme. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah. Um, anyway, yes, Twin Peaks, definitely recommend. Uh, d- watch the movie, too. Have you guys seen done. Firewalk with me? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's I worth watching, just too. recently watched that. It's cool. Is yeah. it terrible and fun? Or is it, no, no, it's, uh, it's no. a good movie. Yeah. Okay. Right. It, okay. I think that it got unfairly shit on because he didn't get the whole cast back. Okay. Uh, and so there are a few like weird little turns the story takes to kind of get all of that stuff working. Yeah, yeah. But it is a really good movie. And it is a prequel. It's a companion It's a prequel, piece. is that yes. right? Yes, it's a prequel. prequel. Yeah. Okay. It's the days leading up to yes. Laura Palmer's yes. death. Okay. Um, yeah, so, but yeah, I think you would like it. It's worth watching, okay. definitely. I definitely will. Um, I don't want to lose this. I still no. want to cast the captain, Please. and I still want to cast Brody in the remake. Who's yeah, let me think about Jaws. this. I gotta, Brody's like a rock, right? Not the rock. He would not work for that, I don't think. Uh, but he's like a... He, ah, man. I have four choices, and I my... My least my least favorite one would be Aaron Eckhart. Oh, I can um, see that. Next in line would be Ethan Hawke. Uh-huh. Um, number two is is uh, Chewbacca Etch-A-Sketch, uh-huh. Chiwetel Ejiofor. Uh-huh. But my number one, I think Thomas Jane is perfect. Oh, uh, yeah. Thomas Jane would be the perfect and Brody he could based redeem solely him. on the mist. He could redeem himself from uh, Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, his yeah. other killer shark movie. But the thing is, I could see him straight up to the smile, you son of a bitch. Yeah. I could see that 100%. 
he does that good dad thing yeah. well. He does that family man thing well, but he's also the fucking Punisher. You yeah. know, he's he's. I think Tom Jane is is my pick, but I also I love Chiwetel Ejiofor oh. too because he is he's the same kind of guy that can be scary, but he can also be a nice yeah you know dad character. I just nailed mine. Yeah. I, uh, we brought him up earlier. Uh, Patrick Wilson. He'd I be think great. would yeah. be great as Brody. Yeah. He would be absolutely I think he great. would handle that really well. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. He'd be playing the same character that he kind of plays in Bone Tomahawk. Y- yes, yes. You know, yep. just a duty-driven man who's doing it because it's the right thing to do and yeah. it's his job. Yep. Uh, but who do you get to replace Shaw is the thing that uh, I, w- I, I like couldn't wrap my head around I at only all. have three. My coworker suggested Liam Neeson, <laughs> which is good if it wouldn't be so novelty yeah. by this point. Yeah. It would be novelty. Um, my number two choice was actually Werner Herzog. <laughs> um, he's, he's the kind of guy that could do it. The thing is, what you would have to do is make him like a World War II vet. Yes. From the Nazi side, yes, and then have your Hooper be a Jesse Eisenberg, yes. and just have an unspoken tension based on that. But my number one, I think this is easy, and it's a shoe. And Brendan Gleeson. Oh wow, Brendan, who's Brendan? Gleeson? He Brendan is Gleeson's Mad Eye Mooney from the uh, Harry Potter movies. Okay. He's in In Bruges. He's yeah. an Irish actor. Um, oh yeah, Calvary. Yeah, yeah. Oh wait, In Bruges. He's the uh, the re- the like the guy. Who's... He's not Colin Farrell. He's not Colin. He's the, yeah. uh, his, yes. his partner or whatever, mm. yep. which is one of my favorite movies. Oh, oh it's an amazing movie. Fantastic. Oh, You're a fucking inanimate object. <laughs> I love that. Ray Fiennes kills it. Yeah, yeah he would be, I think he would I think be, right. an uh, awesome be great. Yeah. I, uh, you know what my brain jumped to, and this is so silly, but uh, uh, what's uh, Charlie Day? <laughs> what, for the captain? Yeah, no, uh, for, for, uh, for uh, Hooper? For, for Hooper? For Quint. For Quint, he'd be too young, but I'd be I too uh, but, young. But I, but I can see Charlie. Oh, him being like crazy. Charlie you know, Day. I had the, him in my head for Hooper. For I, a little I, bit. I, think, uh, I can see that actually. I, I think it'd be fun. I think he's a little too manly, but I think for Brody, I think a John Ham would be good. Whoa, for Brody. that's a great he's choice. Kind of, he's kind of, uh, you know, like he, he's kind of fish out of water, yes. not really uneasy. Uh, you know who'd be great? Oh, you know who'd be great? Who could pull off Hooper, make it a little comedic, but he would just have to do it really dry. Is uh, Adam Scott in Seven Years? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. fuck I yeah, can see that absolutely, yeah. fuck yeah. yeah. Adam Scott's a great actor. Yeah, he is. That's the thing is, he's his secret weapon is that yeah, he's a he's funny guy, but he's actually a tremendous good actor. actor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, tremendous actor. Did you see the Overnight? No, I haven't yet. Recommend. I heard it. it's great. Yeah, yeah. really yeah. recommend. There used it. to be a show on HBO called Everyone Says I Love You, and it was a it was a like a sex drama kind of thing. Okay. Three couples, older couple, been married for a while, younger couple just getting married, and like a middle aged couple. Mm. The younger couple, Adam Scott was the male part. Is mm. that right? And it's just a drama, just a straight up drama, and he was phenomenal in it. It never caught on. It was a good show, but yeah. it was one of those where it was like between the Sopranos and the Fall Show. Yes. It was right. like the, the summer filler. Yep. It was the John from Cincinnati block. <laughs> yes, yes. And so it just never caught on. But it yeah. was a good show. Yeah. But Adam Scott really shined. And that was like the first time I ever saw him. And then he like popped in in Torque. And I'm yeah. like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Yeah. But, you know. Uh, you got any movie recommendations, Sam? 100%. Absolutely. Green Room. Yeah. Go really see Green see Room. Okay. When Green Room comes out, see that movie. John Carpenter would be proud. It is... I... I I, I I almost ripped my fingernails off just from the tension of this movie. Yeah, really? It's gory, it's intense, but it's 90 minutes. Like I came out of it and I was counting my abs that I developed <laughs> just from clenching throughout the whole thing. Uh, Sir Patrick Stewart yep. is the leader of a neo-Nazi group. Uh, basically, the plot is this. A young punk band, The Ain't Rights, yep. headed by Anton Yelkin, who I've discovered is basically just young Bill Paxton. <laughs> okay. and, is, um, uh, is this is it in present day? Uh, this yes, uh, yes present yeah, right. day. Alia Shawkat, maybe Funke. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, they are. Yep, they're they're part of a punk band. They 
uh, they're out of money. They get a real sleazy show that pays pretty well. They go. It's like a neo-Nazi club. It's not really cool. They witness a murder, and now they are trapped in the green room. And all of these neo-Nazis need them dead, and they need to get home. Wow. It's a it's siege movie inside a punk rock club. Wow. All that's... in real time. Leader of the neo-Nazis is Patrick Stewart. It's yeah. fucking awesome. You're drinking out of a green room cup right yes. now. This is, it's supposed I'm, to be I'm great. I'm so excited. Wow. Very, very good. It's a Jeremy Saulnier film. He did the excellent Blue Ruin and Murder Party, which I haven't seen. But he's just good at making just real pulpy, simple movies. And this is one of them. And highly... All right. Highly recommend. Awesome. Really, really, I really good stuff. See it. I, mm-hmm. it blew me away. I uh, my recommend is going to be The Trust, uh, which is a new movie this year that I will fully admit is not great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the two main actors are Elijah Wood, so who I like a lot, right? And is really interesting and does weird stuff. And Nicolas Cage, Double who sold. I love and is really weird and does interesting stuff. And it's a weird movie where both of them are being really weird and doing really interesting things that don't entirely pay off or all add up right but it's a lot of fun to watch those two actors be fucking weird with each other for an hour and a half i, I would recommend that movie That's it's, a, it's a heist movie where they play um las vegas cops who discover a safe uh inside of like uh like a sort of a criminal lair that mm. no one else knows about and so they decide let's see if we can break that open and rob it without nice. anybody knowing that's that's great. It's but we're gonna re- have it's to pretty interesting. Trust. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not great, but it is. It's a lot of fun to watch those two play off of each other. Mm-hmm. It's definitely worth it for that. Yeah, that's great. Any movie recommends that you've seen lately? I'm, I'm gonna stick with the Midnight Hour because I okay. just awesome. rewatched Perfect. it. It's shit, shit, shit movie, yeah. and that's that's what I love. About so it. into it's it. And it's so available candy. on YouTube. So you yeah, watch you just it watch right it on YouTube. Just... I'll watch it at work next week. <laughs> yes. Can I throw a second rec out Please. there? Yeah. Uh, right after Green Room, uh, you should watch Everybody Wants Some. Oh. The Richard Linklater spiritual sequel oh, to I Days and Confused. That, that is great. right now my number one movie of of 2016. Yeah. It is so far. It's it's awesome. Yeah, just so funny. I laughed beginning to end, but it's touching. It's a warm movie. Richard Linklater loves his characters in a way that no other filmmaker does, mm-hmm. and it shows. And it just makes you feel good. Love good it. movie. That's great. Great. great check movie. it out. Yeah. Uh, Chip, hit us with some plugs, baby. Uh, yeah, Healing Comedy Club in Philadelphia. Uh, uh, Good evening with Chip Chantry, Wednesday, May 4th. Awesome. It's going to be hilarious. It's a, it's a late night talk show at 8 p.m., so it's early. But uh, we have uh, John McKeever's on it and awesome. uh, Mike Rainey and Mary Rosinski. And uh, we have Oldermost, who's an amazing band. Oh, cool. Yeah, and then just check me out at, uh, at Chip Chantry on Twitter, uh, at Chip Chantry Instagram, chipchantry.com. Chip is one of the best tweeters that you can follow, oh, thank uh, you. guaranteed. Thank so you, you should I definitely follow, follow his account. Yeah, uh, you. you're the best. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Philadelphia. That's with an F. You can find uh, my reviews of every damn movie I watch at letterbox.com slash Philadelphia. I'm almost up to 300 reviews. Nice. Fuck that. Yeah. <laughs> I've written a lot of movie reviews. Uh, and uh, you can find our show on Twitter at I Like Two Movie. That's the number two. Facebook.com slash I Like Two Movie. Subscribe and rate on iTunes. Uh, that helps us out, moves us up, uh, gets us some more listeners. And if you want to email us and give us a movie recommendation of your own, you want to hear us do an episode about something, you just want to tell us to fuck off, we'll read it on the air. Email us at I Like Two Movie uh, at gmail.com. Dan, what do you got? Follow me at, at Dan Scully on every possible thing that you can get, except for Instagram. I don't have that, um, <laughs> but that's okay. It's uh, I don't I don't need it. I post pictures on Facebook. It's actually so, fun. I, I do enjoy it, I, yeah. and I don't use any of the filters. I or anything, had but it it's for just... a little bit, but yeah. I needed memory on my phone, okay. so I got rid yeah, of it. That makes and just, sense. That's that was the end of it. Yeah. 
But uh, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't jumped into the Snapchat craze, which oh, I feel God. like everybody is. I, can't. I, just, I have I that, but I don't use it. I don't it. understand yeah, it. I, I feel old. I'm not. Yeah, I so do I. I, I, feel, I feel old feel every time old. I try and I just, use it. I don't want to use it. I feel like I'm going to leapfrog that one and just be like, fuck Snapchat and just wait for the next, yeah, whatever the next thing the is. The next thing that happens. Yeah. yeah. I'll give you my roommate's phone number. He'll let you know. He'll text yeah, you. Good. Or Snapchat you so probably. Snapchat yeah. the vaporizer. You know you'll be good to go. Good. Selfie yeah. stick. You're all good. Beautiful. But at Dan Scully on everything, you should check out Cynadelphia.com. Uh, do reviewing for them. And. Um, yeah, that's that's it. I think that's it. Do for that. This week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we'll do our. our also, norm- thank you to everybody who oh, came yes. out to uh, Movie Movie Live this yeah, week. Yeah, we how did. was it? Oh, it was really fun. We did. Uh, we ended up doing another Stoner Movie Edition because it was actually four. Tw- we had done a Stoner Movie Edition two months ago. And was that Phil- Philomoka? Yeah. Uh, Which, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, sorry, sorry. What 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 did you see? What. Stoner movies. Stoner, oh, movies. stoner movies. We literally we had to do it again yeah, because again. we well, did it like two to. months ago, and then it was turned out it was going to be 420. So we just made it a joke that we were so high we forgot we already did it. Yeah. And uh, we tweaked it though. We did. We, other, we had a really fun show. Other things there. I have never not had a good time at Philomoca. I, I just love. It's it. one of the best venues I, in the city, I think. I, I was there for uh, a podcast fest when yeah. I did. I did a Bing Supernova set for uh, oh. Podchies for mm-hmm. uh, for uh, Ben and I think uh, I was there for, that year. for Benny Michaels. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I did the, that was so much fun. I did uh, I liked to movie movie yep. live, which movie movie live, which was which was amazing. It was so much fun. And then uh, me and my buddy Dave Walk were one of eight people that went to see Birdemic two. Yes, oh, nice. and the dude. The, uh, the African American guy who like uh-huh. sings a karaoke song. Uh-huh. Both, both of the, uh, he was there and did a concert after. The, like an hour long concert after the movie, amazing. And we amazing. left because we were so embarrassed, and because we couldn't <laughs> do it. And I wish I, we would have stayed. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I love that they program the best stuff there. It's always yeah. that kind of thing where they'll program a really weird movie you won't be able to see anywhere else. Mm-hmm. But you're not just going to see the movie; you're also going to get to probably see somebody that worked on that movie do something oh, fucking weird. That's great. Uh, it's yeah, definitely filmoka.org if you want to check out their programming. They have yeah, a lot of great stuff. The film festival is still yes. going on. Cinadelphia film festival. festival. You can see com. a lot of great, great movies there uh for two more weeks i think we got a couple yep, weeks left yep. of it yeah. two weeks and they're like i said they're redoing um rain the color of blue with a little bit of red in it yes oh, that's yeah. good yeah so you uh, should definitely see that yeah. because whatever language is in does not have a word for purple so, mm. so, so that's the title yeah. of that yeah. yeah all right we're gonna do our sign off chip you'll pick up on this as we go you'll join in Boom. don't worry you'll figure it out my yes. name is garrett smith and i like to movie movie my name is dan scully and i like to movie movie my name is chip chantry and i like to movie movie and we all know that you like to movie movie because, because we, we like, like to movie. movie and a bone tomahawk to everybody bone tomahawk, bone tomahawk guys